Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, the week isn't even over, and already the Republican geldings, the gelding old party, uh, has surrendered. <laughs> I told you they would. Uh, they've already surrendered. And the first act of surrender is this uh, nomination, or actually voting in, of this nobody, this uh, this not just rhino, but transgender Democrat. You know, and I was thinking about that expression the other day. Um, I, I think I'm developing a theme here, <laughs> because I talk about the... Uh, um, the, the, the rhinos as, as transgender Democrats, but originally I've been calling the, the, uh, the grand old party, the gelding old party, or just the geldings for short. And so what, what is a gelding? It's not a, you know, a horse in transition. So really this is uh, this is kind of apropos. Uh, it's cold outside. It's 32 degrees and uh, it's cold in here too. <laughs> you know? uh, so it's cold everywhere. And, and so uh, if, hold on, I'm going to sneeze. I'll be right back. Oh, didn't get to the mute button in time. <laughs> this is going to be one of those days, can you tell? It's Friday. But everybody's got cold. Everybody's, you know, this is something going on. And I'll be out. To, actually, tomorrow's going to be really cool because tomorrow I'm going to be out at the uh, Creek Fest. And so the uh, we had the Chief Dan Skyhorse on yesterday from the uh, Santa Rosa Creek Band. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. Now, hopefully it'll be a little warmer. Uh, I got to crank the heat or something here. You know, I try and save on heat a little bit, but I think I might have saved a little too much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's just, it's going to be one of those, it's Friday, right? You know, most of you are going to be off next week anyway, next week's Thanksgiving. Um, but uh, tomorrow I will be broadcasting six o'clock uh, as uh, as usual on a Friday uh, tomorrow. In fact, I might start doing Saturday shows. It depends. I don't know. It, it'd be fun. We'll, we'll see if there's a demand for it. Maybe I'll get more callers, um, these folks working during the week. But so many people work from home that, uh, you know, I think uh, folks might be able to join us, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, um, so tomorrow the Creek Fest, and so I'll be out there. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to see if I can Facebook it live. And so I'll have my phone and hopefully a charger. <laughs> you know, I'll have a charger that hopefully, you know, there's a cord you know, close enough to plug it in. And I got a little tripod for my cell phone, so I'll set that up. And the beauty of this is that I don't think I'll get a lot of callers at 6 in the morning on a Saturday. And so most of the, the – well, all the people that will be on the show will be sitting across from me. And I tested the microphone out. It does actually work both ways. So there, it, is, it has a two-directional. So anybody sitting you know, close enough to me will be able to uh, hear me. I'll probably have to stand back here and turn it up a little bit. We'll figure out how this works. Anyway, I'll get people in. But uh, the, the, uh, the sound of our voices will, will be picked up by the uh, phone through its natural microphone. So the only thing you won't hear will be callers. But like I say, I'm not anticipating a whole lot. And if you miss anything, you know, catch it on the uh, podcast anyway. But just the fact that we'll be uh, live you know, from the Creek Fest uh, on uh, Facebook video as well as live on the show. It's going to be fun. It's gonna, i got three hours, so I'll just do my regular show. I might have to have other stuff to talk about. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see if everybody's going about their business setting up and nobody's you know, sitting there talking to me. It's like, hey, guys, what's going on? So we'll, uh, we'll find out tomorrow what happens. Again, improvised. You never know. Uh, it's going to be quite interesting. Well, let's get back to the issue of the day. And so I think it's time. You know how they designate you know, in Congress National Day, National Auto Mechanics Day, National you know, uh, smell a yellow flower day. I mean, they, they make up all these ridiculous things, right? So this should be a national surrender week. Well, they're weeks too, you know, and months, you know, Black History Month, things like that. Um, but um, that was, that's a real one. It's not one of the ones I made up. Um, but, uh, you know, it could be uh, whatever, you know, uh, you know, eat a donut month, you know, who cares? But the point is that this, this should be designated National Surrender Week or National GOP Surrender Week. 
because the deep state uh, person is in. Um, so now they're going to have two deep, deep state people. They're going to have Kevin McCarthy, who's going to sell out the, the Republican uh, um, freedom life, you know, loving people in the Republican Party, the House Freedom Caucus. So the first thing Kevin McCarthy is going to do is immediately sell out the, um, the, the Republican principles, Republican government, Republican everything, the Republican general. So he'll do that. He's the deep state's main person uh, in the House. So in other words, they gave the House control. You know, by, by not frauding all of the, of the Republicans who are running, just enough to give the, the Republicans a little bit of control, a little bit of sense of what's going on. But nothing's really going to happen because everything's still going to be controlled by Kevin McCarthy, who's responsible to the deep state, and his whip, uh, the person that actually goes out and, you know, it, 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 you know, gets the votes going. So the whip is the person, the whip is like the party enforcer. It's like the union uh, thug that says, vote with us. <laughs> you know, so they go around to the different uh, representatives and say, you will vote with us if you want your uh, chairmanship or your vice chairmanship, or if you want to uh, get any election funds, <laughs> if you want to get anything at all. In fact, if you want to stay in good standing with the party, then you'll vote as we tell you to vote, because that's your job, rather than representing your people. You thought it was to represent your people. No, your job is to represent what the party wants. And so the deep state is already there. They're already entrenched. The Republicans have already surrendered. Uh, this term is basically over. <laughs> so on that happy note, let me get to Pianchi and see what he has to uh, uh, say this morning. On uh, National GOP Surrender Week, you know, the, the new official delegation uh, or dedication I'm, I'm giving to this week. Good morning, Pianchi. Happy Friday. Happy National GOP Surrender Week. <laughs> Thank you for playing along. Yeah, I appreciate that, too. So, uh, well, I, did you expect them to give up this quickly? I mean, they haven't even the, the session hasn't even started yet. They've already given up. They've given up impeachment. They've given up, uh, you know, Jim Jordan will be head of uh, judiciary. But you, you think he's going to get a real investigation? Do you think they're going to have a, a CIA church, uh, Senator Church style investigation in the FBI? Do you think Chris Ray is actually going to have to answer real questions or Dr. Fascist or any of those people? Or for the good of the country, do we have to move on? Like they're trying to move on from Trump, which is another huge thing we should talk about. I'll probably talk about that next week. That's a massive mistake, and uh, I can explain that too. But uh, national surrender, uh, do you think, as I think, that the Republicans have literally given up already? They've got their deep state people. It's over. Well, time. you know, one thing that should be on the table is impeachment because Joe Biden has done enough things uh-huh. that would warrant practically a firing squad, let alone just impeachment. <laughs> No, we don't want we don't wish him physical harm, but uh, yeah, no, uh, he certainly wishes that, wishes us physical harm. So it's kind of funny that we can't, uh, you know, wish. Oh yeah, it wishes officials. us physical harm. It wishes yeah. us physical harm in the loss of jobs. We have uh, mm-hmm. workers uh, who's committed themselves to a family life and the things that go with it. Now all of a sudden mm-hmm. they're on YouTube crying because of his actions, his careless actions, mm-hmm. and it just goes on and on. How about the the soldiers that was killed there in Afghanistan? What about the, the leaving the equipment there, and then at the same time, you come along later on and want to give billions and billions and billions to Ukraine to buy equipment, mm-hmm. or the equipment you left in Afghanistan could have been carried over to the Ukraine. Exactly. Well, actually, it shouldn't have been done. It should have been brought back here. But here's, here's the bigger problem. When I talk about physical harm, I'm talking about the people that are going to freeze to death this winter uh, because uh, Brandon cut off the oil, uh, cut off the, the heating oil, um, made inflation so bad. That um, that you know people can't afford to buy things. You know it's heating or eating. I mean that's a serious choice for a lot of people. You know and you only put on so many sweaters. It just after a while it doesn't work. I mean I was complaining about it being 32 degrees here, but in in Minnesota it's going to be 32 below zero. It's going to be like 60 degrees cooler than it is here. And so that's that's uh, that's another reason I live in Florida. 
simply because as the world cools with the modern minimum and the uh, the solar flare pause, you know, it's going to Florida's going to look a lot better, but it's, it's going to get colder here, but it's going to get much colder everywhere. So the global we we got to sort of reverse the knowledge on this climate change stuff because it's really uh, it's dangerous. People think that uh, the the earth is warming up and actually it's cooling for the next 30 years or so. So that's another problem. Back to you. Well, it yeah. also throws the onus in the laps of the people uh, that vote for these characters. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see what TV program, what screen they're looking at <laughs> compared to what uh, many others see. It must be a, it must be the difference between night and day. Well, actually, you make a really good point that uh, the media that people watch, you know, what, what are the kids watching to think that abortion is the, the, the biggest problem? You know, the ability, losing the ability to, to uh, you know, abort your own baby is somehow a crisis. If that's a crisis, we've got a really mixed set of priorities. Uh, that, uh, that climate change, which doesn't exist in terms of, of, you know, CO2 controlling the climate. CO2 does not control the climate. The biggest gas that actually keeps us warm is, is water vapor. You know, look at a cloudy night versus a clear night. It's, it's obvious that it's water vapor that retains heat into the earth, and a good thing it does because we have a lot of a lot colder nights if they were all clear. So they don't understand. They just don't understand. They've been brainwashed in school, which means we have to get rid of the government schools. Uh, their parents aren't doing a job of, of counter-educating them from the propaganda they're getting. Well, I like that term, counter-educating. I just made that up. Whoop, I'm having a little chair problem here. Sorry. <clears throat> i got to redo my desk or something. <laughs> this is, my chair is sinking. It's getting to the point where the, the gas cylinder isn't working anymore. So I find myself, you know, my nose comes level with the microphone. It's really uh, off-putting. <laughs> it's very distracting. Um, but anyway, all these things are, are going on. And I thought of something interesting this morning, too. Uh, I want to get your reaction to this. I want to talk about the, the latest uh, deep state operative, which has been uh, made head, you know, of the, of the geldings in the House to make sure that the geldings in the House don't actually do anything interesting. Uh, and that is the idea of an abortion tax. So if you're going to have, a, if you're going to have a, an abortion, there should be a tax on it. Um, the left is always taxing everything, right? So this is an idea. I'm not seriously proposing this yet. I'm just exploring an idea. But the idea is for the loss of a citizen, for the loss of a worker, for the loss of, of the tax income, for the loss of a possible inventor, entrepreneur, genius, productive citizen, things like that. that uh, and I'm not sure who should pay it. Maybe the hospital should pay it. <laughs> hospital should pay an abortion tax. Uh, and the doctor should pay it. I wouldn't uh, – uh, oh, I don't know who should pay. Maybe, maybe the mother should pay, you know, or the loss of a, of a child to the father. I mean, this is, I don't know, just, I'm exploring an idea, but the left always seems to want to tax everything. Um, you think that's worth talking about? Well, you know, that there is really a crying shame. You know, you're going to tax, you're going to tax death. It'd be yeah. like uh, the tax on the funeral. When you go well, to the funeral plan and make preparations to bury your loved one, then you go to buy the coffin, and when you just the uh, funeral service itself, they want to put a tax on. It. Isn't that something else? You can't get no yeah. low down dirty. And... Yeah, I didn't say what this is. You know, I didn't. I didn't it was just an idea I had to explore. But it's like the inheritance tax. You know, somebody dies in the family, and they can lose their family farm simply because, you know, the the inheritance tax takes half the farm. So there we we already have that. We already have a death tax. Uh, I was just, uh, it, was, it was sort of a, a counter to what the liberals are always doing when they want to tax. Remember the, the plan to tax every bullet, $1,000 per bullet? That was a, um, who was that? It was one of those little wild, wacko, gun-grabbing people. Uh, they wanted to do that. So this is kind of along those lines. Um, just to say, if, so the states are going to make it legal. Okay, fine. Well, let's, uh, you know, let's see if we can tax you. It's just, it's just one of those counter ideas. Anyway, I want to get back to the main topic. 
that of the GOP surrender. And uh, I want to introduce people to somebody I didn't know anything about, uh, but apparently he's now the majority whip. Uh, this Breitbart article is from a couple of days ago when he was just running for, for majority whip. Uh, do you have any more comments on my, on my, on my tax or, or shall we, uh, shall we move on from there? I'll make sure we got that covered. You know, like they want to codify abortion. Haven't the courts already said that the federal government has no business intervening in that at all? It should go to the states. There's states that's open to there's mm-hmm. states open to abortion. It's not the what is the you got the state up in Michigan, not Michigan, mm-hmm. the other Minnesota. Minnesota is open to abortion. Yeah. You got Illinois. So why you know this is where you get into the a, pe- a person's selfishness. Yeah, you know they want to have butterscotch ice cream, okay, but they want <laughs> you to eat butterscotch ice cream also. Yeah. Therefore, um, the possibility that the quantity that's being sold will cause a discount in what they're buying for themselves. No, go ahead and eat your butterscotch ice cream and just leave me alone. Yeah, I like chocolate and vanilla. Yeah, that's another thing that's not covered in the abortion issue is how selfish it is. You've got one person making decisions for three people. You know, you've got a mother making decisions for, for a baby and for a father, a man, whether he's going to be a father or not, uh, a baby, whether it's going to live or not, and a mother that's going to make a choice for herself, which is fine, but her choice ends where herself ends. And so that, to me, is the most amazingly selfish act. There's, there's no generosity. There's no, there's no warmth of human kindness coming out in the, uh, the, the radical pro-choice, you know, late-term abortion crowd. Anyway, let me get on to uh, this. I want to get this covered before, before we get uh, carried away because we, we talk about, you know, certain issues kind of come up all the time. That's one of them. So this guy, Tom Emmer, and I found this in Breitbart. Uh, he is ESG. He is LGBTQ. Uh, and he's going to be the House. He's now the House Majority Whip. So, again, this is the second deep state operative that has been installed so that the, uh, the House, although, they, uh, although the GOP won the House, uh, their, their ability to do anything is already greatly curtailed because their entire leadership uh, is a deep state uh, you know, cooperative. So it says here, Representative Tom Emmer, Republican of Minnesota. That should tell you something right there. Minnesota didn't have a whole lot of Republicans. We were just talking about that state a minute ago. Vying for House Republican leadership? Okay, well, he got it has voted for legislation that has advanced environmental, social, and governance, that's ESG, uh, initiatives, and received funding from Wall Street um, giant uh, BlackRock. So that, that right there, um, there's a whole bunch of, of stuff in there. It says, Emmer said last week he is running for House Majority Whip. Again, he won. Uh, this follows after he led the National Republican Congressional Committee, the NRCC, to an underwhelming midterm performance to take back the House Majority from Speaker Nancy Pelosi. It says, as House Republicans consider Emmer, well, they voted for him, and other congressional Republican credentials for House Republican leadership, many conservatives and others have raised issues with Emmer's political agenda. Emmer, a member of the House Financial Services Committee, has received $5,000 this cycle from BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager. Under Emmer, BlackRock donated 15000 to the NRCC. I guess that's the, the leftist deep state winning wing of the Republican Party. In contrast, uh, let's see who wrote this article. First of all, too, I should I should quote our, our source here, uh, Sean Moran, and this is from November 14th. So there we go. Make sure I get that in. He says, in contrast, current members of the House Republican leadership include House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, House Republican Whip Steve Scalise, who was actually a good guy, House Republican Conference Chair uh, Elise Stefanik, eh, not sure about her, Republican Policy Committee Chairman Gary Palmer, don't know him, has have not received donations from BlackRock this cycle. That would be the election cycle. To note BlackRock's influence, the Wall Street asset manager has donated 43 to 37 percent 
uh, what is it, has been 43 to 37% of House Republican candidates and oh, 50, oh, I'm sorry, let me write that again. Wall Street Asset Manager has donated to 43.37% of House Republicans and 56.53% of House Democrats. This is normal. The really big companies, they donate to both sides. That way they get influence no matter who wins. It's really kind of interesting. And it says BlackRock, with its undue influence as the world's largest asset manager, has served as a chief advocate of ESG investing. ESG promotes leftist goals, uh, such as more spending on green energy to combat alleged climate change, more diversity on corporate boards, and the corporation overall, as well as equity and inclusion. In other words, they screw up companies, make them do all kinds of weird, crazy stuff, uh, and uh, lose money. They lose their fiduciary responsibility. It says one lobbyist told Breitbart News that the lawmakers should take donations from BlackRock um, and, and should, oh, it says that, that the lawmakers should take donations from BlackRock and should face increased consequences for receiving money from Wall Street asset managers such as BlackRock. So Democrats no longer have any claim to being the party of the little guy, of, of the, the working family, because they are the party of big business. They are the party of Wall Street. They're the ones making most of the money from uh, the big Goldman Sachs, all these kind of people. They're the ones that bail out the banks. They're the ones that keep the military-industrial war complex going. They're the ones that are causing these massive problems, and people don't even see it. They think, oh, Democrats are for the little guy. Really? Which little guy? Show me one. It's total nonsense. Anyway, the article goes on, but I, don't want to, I, I think I've kind of covered this, that we have another deep state leftist uh, in charge of the Republicans. So not only do they let their elections get stolen, uh, they let their leadership get stolen. So what's the, what is the point of being a Republican? What is, what is the point of uh, thinking that they're an opposition party when they're really not? The, the closest part of it that might, might be a little bit opposition is the House Freedom Caucus. And that's something, there's only 30 of them out of 435 representatives. It's not a big percentage. In fact, let me get my calculator out. I'll tell you exactly what percentage is. What do you think, Pianchi? Well, you look at these uh, athletes that was kneeling on the football field and the basketball court mm-hmm. for social justice and all that. Well, their money is probably being invested in these companies also. BlackRock, Trump Holdings, yeah. Police Pension Funds. So it's hypocritical what you hear him saying. And well, like you say, what's the use of voting for Republicans if you're going to have your leadership that's going to be over the House and his actions in presiding Mm-hmm. is just the type of person. It's just it's crazy. Well, it also it's worse than that because it goes with our prediction. We talked about this before the election. We said even if the Republicans win, they're going to find a way to surrender power. And this is how they're doing it. You know, not only they they have a minimal win when they could have had the Senate. They gave away the Senate again, uh, which is really too bad because the Senate's where all the judicial appointments are. So that's a huge loss. The Senate, if they get a majority of Democrats, if they get 51 they can overturn – well, they can't really overturn the filibuster. I think that would take uh, over 60 because the filibuster – overturning the filibuster still allows for the filibuster to take place. For those that don't know, um, the Senate has a, has a rule that uh, you, you can vote on anything with 51 with a majority, but in order to get to a vote, you have to close off debate. And it takes 60 people for what's called a cloture vote. And a cloture stops debate. Uh, if, you're not in a, if you don't get the cloture vote, it means you're in a filibuster, which means they continue to debate indefinitely. Uh, that's what Mr. Smith did with Mr. Smith goes to Washington, except in those days, he actually had to stay on the floor and keep talking. Now they just say there's a filibuster, uh, and it's, it's kind of like by magic, it, it goes on. But uh, the cloture vote's essential. I would have the cloture vote on every bill. 
Pianki, what do you think of that for a change? That it, that uh, one over a majority is not enough of a, of a, a part of a body to make a decision. I would like to see all all House bills have a sixty percent um, majority as well to pass. Super majorities for all bills. That would get better decisions. Yeah, let's get seventy five percent. Okay, that's actually not bad. Or 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 how about two thirds? So you, you still have to have an override. You still have to have a presidential override of a veto. So if you have sixty six percent, so in other words, it requires a two thirds vote to uh, to pass anything. Then it should require three quarters of seventy five percent to override a presidential veto, because you have to have a check and balance in there. So how would that be? That would actually be make for an interesting bill. So yeah, for just like it is in order to amend the Constitution. Yeah. Well, Jefferson wanted to make it a lot harder to pass bills. So House, Senate, let me write this down here. I'll put this, I already have 166, 176 bill ideas. Bill passage. Let's say, you want 66, 60% or 66% for passage? Two thirds. I want two thirds at least. Okay, so 66%, which is two thirds. Uh, and uh, veto override 75%. And, of course, people will say, well, we'll never get anything done. I'm like, mm-hmm. and your point is what? <laughs> well, it is done. What, what, you, what they're saying, what they mean mm-hmm. to say is we'll never be able to change and stop something. Hmm. Let's, uh, let's take a look and see what that looks like in terms of numbers. So I'll get my little handy calculator. I've rearranged my calculator so I can find things easier. Oh, there, there, the House Freedom Caucus is only 6% of the Congress. That 30 members is 6%. So let's go. We, the, the Senate's easy. 66 senators to pass, 75 to override a veto. That's easy because they have 100 senators. The House is a little diff- more difficult. So, so let's, let's go 66, 66 divided by 435 House members would be, uh, well, that's not, that's not right. Oh, it's 135 times 66.66. Yeah, so, okay, thank you. That's why I don't do math. Times 0.66 equals 287.7, so 288. So passage would be 288. You know, this would do, too. This would take away the power of, of the majority party because the majority party would have to get, unless the majority party had over 288, um, but traditionally that doesn't seem to happen very much, but they'd have to, so all votes would have to be bipartisan by definition if that's how we did it. So 288 for passage, Let's go, let's see what it would be for, so 435 times 0.75, hang on, let's back up a little bit, 0.75 is 326. So 326 would be for uh, override. Interesting, huh? Maybe we can get it back to where Congress only convenes about uh, three months a year. No, I wouldn't do that because there, there are too many things that happen. I don't mind the Congress being in session. I just want to uh, make sure we strictly control what they do. See, Texas only meets every other year. Well, that was fine when, when the world turned slower, you know, when things didn't happen as fast, when technology, you know, stayed pretty stable for 100 years. Technology changes, you know, yearly now. Uh, things happen so fast these days. I don't, I don't think that's a good idea, but uh, rather control what they do. The most important thing. Uh, I think, and I'm going to hopefully, uh, I'll, I'll be making some noise next week. Well, after Thanksgiving, uh, seeing what I can do with the, the Trump campaign, but I'm hoping they'll make the centerpiece, you know, the uh, constitutional uh, um, takeaway of Congress's power to borrow money. 
that single act is, is one of the most powerful I think we've ever come up with in terms of uh, prosperity for everybody and a reduction of power in government and uh, the Fed and the transfer well, of money. Well, not only that, the ability to own land outside of uh, the 10-mile radius in D.C. That's in there, too. And some magazines and ports. Yep. Yep. That's in there, too. Let me, uh, we got Shirley coming on in a few minutes. Let me give you another uh, uh, election fraud update because there are so many of them. This is the Wildfire Newsletter. Uh, Kyle Becker from yesterday. Shock video. Arizona poll watcher reveals 200 more ballots than voters <laughs> came into the election location. Isn't that interesting? Sarah O'Neill, who worked as a poll watcher in the Arizona election, revealed at a Maricopa County Board of Supervisors meeting on Wednesday that were, there were approximately 200 excess ballots than voters at one polling location. Gee, how did that happen? Furthermore, O'Neill, who is a Republican and stated that she was relaying information and not making accusations, said that the 17,000 figure for door number three ballots was a gross underestimate. So apparently there's, there's a whole lot of shaking going on down there in Maricopa County. That whole vote should be thrown out. Um, that's what the Arizona legislature should just toss it. Just, just take out all the votes from Maricopa County because they're, if they're that incompetent, that incapable, you've got to remove them. You've got to disqualify all their votes and just take the rest of the state and go with that. Uh, anyway, she says, I was a poll watcher, and to get the, more of the details, but that's what's going on uh, as far as that goes. So uh, Maricopa County, uh, what do you think? Just dump all their votes? Just disqualify the whole thing until they can get their act together? That's what I would do. It, it, it would be, <clears throat> if they taint it and they're small, you got to get rid of them. And also mm-hmm. send a message. And then mm-hmm. those that's responsible for this should be punished severely. Well, what do you think the how severe a punishment would you would you do for election fraud? Ten to fifteen years. Yeah, I was thinking more like twenty five. I want to make the punishment so severe that people don't do it. You know, when you change well, elections, two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine. Oh, that that makes sense too. Um, and if it has to come out of wages for the next twenty years of your life, then so be it. Um, the thing about election fraud is that I think you're just stealing an election. What you're really doing is stealing everybody's vote. The vote is meaningless. You're stealing. It's actually a coup. Election fraud really is a coup. It's, uh, it, 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 I, it's comparable to treason. It, I think it is so serious an offense because you, the, whole, the only chance most people have to have any influence over government is during an election. And if the election itself is stolen, if your ballot means nothing, if voting means nothing, not only do you create total apathy, but you take away the, the power of the people and you have the government choosing the government. Well, the minute you have that, you have a dictatorship. So that's a coup. And we know what the penalty for, the penalty for treason in wartime is death. You know, waging war against your own country, giving aid and comfort to the enemy. But if you steal the government, something that an invading force would do from another country, they would steal our government too, and they would impose their own. That's why countries go to war. You know, so what's the difference between election fraud and, and a coup d'etat? It's the same thing. So that's why the, the punishment for election fraud needs to be huge. Maybe 20 years, 15 to 20, 10 to 20, somewhere in there, depending on the severity of, of the fraud. But uh, that should go up through government officials and everybody. Any, anybody that participated in January 6th, that'd be election fraud, plus a conspiracy, you know, title. Remember the one we went over, Title 18, Section 241, conspiracy against rights? That's 10 years and $10,000. It should be 10 years and $100,000. That'd be a decent fine for anybody that conspires, any two people that conspire, including legislators to oppress the exercise or enjoyment of any constitutional right. That's on the federal books. And there's no exemption for government officials. There might be an exemption in other places, but we can fix that. 
but that's what I do. There's one other issue I had that I didn't write down. Oh, I know. Yeah. Really, hmm? really 25 years was in my mind. And okay. you're absolutely right. Um, the things that you have mentioned to support that type of punishment because yeah. you're taking away. And, you know, you hear these you hear these excuses. You hear mm-hmm. these slogans that when our ancestors died for our ability to vote. But yet mm-hmm. still a lot of people are participating in all these efforts and behavior that's yep. basically killing. Exactly. Killing the, people people. That are, the people that are screaming the loudest are voter suppression of the very people who are doing it uh, through cheating in the elections or stealing them. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's quite interesting. Uh, there's one other thing I had for you. Um, I want to take it up. Uh, we've got uh, Shirley on the line, so I want to go to her report. But uh, at the top, she's only going to be here for half an hour, unfortunately. Um, but um, Trump's come up with this thing about uh, the, the, the death penalty for drug dealers. I want to talk to you a little bit about that because I think it's a mistake. I think it's a huge mistake to, uh, to, to pursue that line um, for, for a bunch of death reasons. Penalty uh, for who? Trump came out. He said this on his, his, uh, his declaration for, uh, for running again. Uh, he said that he wants to have a have the death penalty for drug dealers. I think it's a mistake. No, uh, I don't. So think, all right, well, let's we'll because then. drugs these drugs get into the hands of children and they kill not only the child but they kill a whole future. Let's get to the report and see what she's got. Sounds good to me. When one is faced with a crisis, you find your true character. How you react to such an emergency can determine the rest of your life. Two paths present themselves for you to choose. One leads to tragedy. The other leads to becoming a new person. Shirley Wattrell, a survivor of a dangerously abusive relationship, is that new person. She is the author of Heels to Holster. She is a firearms instructor motivational speaker, women's empowerment advocate, and a reporter for Action Radio. So now, here is the DC Project Women and Guns with Shirley Wattrell. So just to throw you totally off for a second in the morning, which I tend to do, I think, every week, death penalty for drug dealers. What do you think, Shirley? Good morning. Good morning. Was that a thinking pause? <laughs> No, it's a pushing the wrong buttons. I went, oh, took the speaker off. Oh, not mute. Oh, like, oh, oh listen, all right. I do, I do it all the time. I'm, I'm talking sometimes, and people are like, Greg, where are you, Greg? I'm like, oh no, did I do that again? I, I hit the yeah, mute button by mistake. So anyway, so let me let me start that again. Hey, Shirley, welcome to Action Radio. What do you think? Definitely for drug dealers. And then uh, let's get to your stuff. I know it, I, you're not prepared for this. I just threw it at you. So you know. Yeah. Um... I'm torn on that one because some degree, yeah, I mean, they've taken lives. That, that mm-hmm. If they could actually prove that that drug dealer um, took lives because of the drugs they were selling, drugs are becoming, especially fentanyls, becoming quite the issue. And mm-hmm. it, we need to handle it. We need to do something. And maybe something that shakes people up to we, – we, we need people to be afraid of the consequences of their actions. They lost that somewhere along the way. Well, I think election fraud goes to the same thing. So this is actually interesting. Um, my logic is I, I'm not a big fan of the death penalty because of all the people that are wrongly convicted. And I never want to see an innocent person put to death. So that's, that's my first thing. The second thing I was thinking 
And we'll just spend a couple of minutes on this. Uh, I think it's, it's worth it. And then we can talk about it, you know, uh, at the top of the hour again. But the other, my other thing is that uh, most of the, the, the major drug dealers are taking place in Democrat-controlled plantations. So you've got, uh, I guess, predominantly black and Hispanic inner city neighborhoods where you've got drugs and gangs. And you've got a place where the only other way out is sports or, or entertainment or, or, some, or art or something like that or something that you can do to get out. And that's a minor, minority of people and, they, and someone who also, you know, maybe like a great business person. But the people that are, are you know, both smart enough and stupid enough to be drug dealers, there might be a way to turn them into entrepreneurs. And so I'm thinking this would be a great opportunity for the Republicans to turn a, a negative into a positive and, and start, you know, the enterprise zones that uh, Jack Hemp used to talk about and say, OK, let's go into these cities. Let's let's create entrepreneurs, you know, instead of drug dealers. Let's cure the problem, uh, not just take out the symptom, because, you know, it, the, if the conditions exist, you're going to get more drug dealers and they're, they're going to get ones who think they're smart enough to not get caught and not, uh, you know, suffer a, a death penalty. I just don't think it's a, you know, it's a very productive way to campaign. Um, based on Trump, who believes in positive rather than negative. Well, the, well I, if, if you don't mind, the reason the condition exists has a lot to do with their actions and their behavior. No, you need to get rid of, of those okay. sores. you got people leaving New York that has professions, college mm-hmm. degrees, that can't find jobs, and they have to come down to Florida. Well, let's mm-hmm. take them and help them to become entrepreneurs. I'm sorry, Cheryl. That makes, that's a valid point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, 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 that's good. And are, are you talking about the middleman type of drug dealer? Or are you talking about the head of the, the head of the snake, so to speak? That's a good question. Who is this? Who is this meant for? Well, Trump just said uh, definitely for drug dealers. I imagine he means all the way down the chain, but um, I, it hasn't been spelled out yet. What do you think, Shirley? Where would you put it? Uh, well, I'm not sure. I mean, okay. I, I see what Bianchi's saying, but also I think there, there should be a severe penalty for whoever's leading the pack, so to speak, mm-hmm. who's ever calling the shot. Um, oh, drug kingpins, it, I guess they're called? Yes, whatever those people are called. <laughs> those, yes. Yes, but yeah. we need to do, do something drastic. Just like I, I caught like the last few minutes because I was getting ready. I, I've got a class, so I have to leave right at 8. Uh-huh. Um, so I was loading up the truck and everything, but I, I heard you talk about uh, voter fraud going on. And mm-hmm. if if there's a way, yeah, we need to start penalizing that. Is it an act of terrorism or is it an act of what? What did you call it? Uh, when you I call do it that. Coup d'etat. I call it a coup d'etat. It's coup d'etat. as much as, yeah. as as overthrowing the government because it actually is overthrowing the government. It's taking away the government from the people and having the government make the choice of the government. So there is no consent of the government. There is no election. It's the ultimate voter suppression. It's actually voter elimination because it doesn't matter what you vote for. It's like communist states. It doesn't matter who you vote for or what you vote for. You know, the, pers- the, the, the party is going to pick the government that they want, and they're going to put in their members. So even though the Republicans won the House, you've still got two deep state operatives. They're going to stop anything decent from coming out of the House for the next two years. They've already surrendered. That was what I was saying. And then we're yeah. going to get to your stuff because you only got 25 minutes. So let's get a comment on that if you want. And then uh, tell us what's what's going on in gun world. What's going on in the gun world? Well, like, um, well, I'll do my regular intro for people that might be new to the show. Hopefully we have new people listening every day. Every, every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am with DC Project, which is a nationwide group of women defending the Second Amendment. I am the Florida State Director for the organization. 
And every Tuesday I do my Teal for 2A Tuesday, which, in which I um, share a story that I can find in which someone used a firearm to save a life because the media likes to promote those that take lives, but they also do save lives. And this one happened in Georgia, and this is going to lead into a, a topic that we're going to discuss a little bit afterwards. Uh-huh. Um, oh, before I do that, I want to say it again. Uh, our, um, when you're talking about the election, uh-huh. we did have a delegate from Kansas that won. Oh, good. Um, yeah, didn't, I, didn't we talk about this? They were, um, you said that they were running, but I don't think they had won at that point. So oh, that's, that's well, a, yeah. Let's give him a round of applause. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, so give us the details. It, it's it's Rebecca Schmoo. Um, I'm going to one of these days try to get her on the show. I was, when she was running, we tried to get her, but then um, something happened. I think she got sick on that Friday. We were going to have her oh. and be interviewed. But no schmoozer. Now the we didn't get the schmoozer. I'm sorry. I bet she gets called that yeah. all the time. Sorry. No, she she is now the House of Representatives for District 59 mm. in Kansas. Yay. So, yeah, so we are making a difference in other areas as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hooray to her. And yep. then um, let me go back to my story here because I, I wanted to mention that because I think it's awesome. It is so awesome. Hopefully we'll get on the show and she'll tell us what it was like and Yeah, let's get the real stuff. story, what it's like to to run for Congress and uh you know, tell us about her district and, and what she can uh, she thinks she can uh, accomplish given I'd, I'd be curious, you know, if she wants to tell how she voted for speaker and whip. Yeah, hold on, we'll get yeah. Yeah. getting back to where my Okay, so this takes place in Georgia. Mm-hmm. This gentleman, his name is Kelsey Willis. He was at the Walmart getting his oil changed in Warner Robins, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And he witnessed what appeared to be a kidnapping. Wow. Um, yeah. He was following a gut instinct, and he followed the child's cries into the woods and intervened in what police say was an assault. So here's this guy. He's getting his oil changed. He's getting a quote. Looks like he's standing outside getting a quote, and they heard a, a kid screaming. So they turned the corner. And here's this quote. So we turned into the corner down there and we seen him getting snatched out of the car. And the man was taking him behind the building. So at first they thought he was going to go use the bathroom, but it apparently it was on too long. No, so the kids are screaming. More, <laughs> That's the first Yeah, clip. so he got a little more Something's suspicious. Wrong. Yeah. And he decided the child kept screaming. And I heard the kid screaming, please don't beat me. So that's when my instinct kicked in some more. So I sped up to get that kid, said Kelly. Oh, I think it was Kelsey. Kelly was he driving Rose. away, at, or was he just walking? The car was still in the shop. I'm just trying to get a picture here. He just well, sped I think away. It, it sounds like he was getting a quote. Okay. And then it sounds like he got in his car and he took off. I don't. Yeah, it was a little confusing there for me, but it sounded like he was uh, filling in on what it would take to get their oil changed. And I think okay. they were still had access to the car, it sounds like. Hmm. So he hears this kid screaming. Um, the screaming kept getting louder and louder, and that didn't sit right with us. My instinct was to grab my gun and go get that kid out of the woods. 
Yeah, what, so, was your, what was their first clue something was wrong? You know, if a kid is screaming, <laughs> that means snatched from a car, you know, how much time does it take to build up an instinct that something's wrong? <laughs> that seems to me a, an instantaneous one, but, you know, we're looking at this in hindsight. I don't know. But uh, I'm just trying to think what, what, what they're really doing. And this is, here's, here's a psychology question. Do you think they're, they're, they're trying to decide, you know, to get involved or not get involved? You know, and what, you know, what's, what's the decision process? Something we should talk about sometime. When people are, 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 you know, in a position where they have to do the right thing, how long does it take? Is there a denial? Is there a wish it would go away? Are they listening for the police sirens? You know, at what point do they say, oh, I have to do it. I have no choice, regardless of the consequences to me. That, that's an interesting decision well, how many times how many times have you been out in public and you heard kids screaming? If you mm-hmm. reacted to every child screaming, you might get yourself in a lot of trouble. So well, a lot of times sure I'll, uh, yeah, I'll talk to the parents and say, hey, I've been there. I raised a kid, too. It's, they get over it. <laughs> you know, this is what I'm usually doing. But, yeah. Right. So I'm sure there's that decision point. Is this just a child that's not happy? Mm-hmm. But then when uh, he did actually hear the child said, don't beat me, well, that's, that's a whole different story. And that's when it appears that he w- went to action. Mm-hmm. Um, but so uh, by the time I came around the corner, he was on top of him, choking him. At that point, I just put my gun up and held him at gunpoint and grabbed the kid. So he held him at gunpoint until the, the police arrived. Um Mm, Do we see. have a uh, a description of the perpetrator, race, sex, national origin? Well, was, here's, here's the other thing. Well, no. Religion. Uh, he's 67 years old. Whoa. And let's see that he did know the child. Where was it? Oh. Okay. Why was arrested and aggravated assault and cruelty to a child? Okay, he was arrested, charged with aggravated assault, cruelty to a child. And somewhere in here it says. Um, he did know the child, forcibly take the child from the vehicle and then Walmart threw him into the ground. Um, yeah, somewhere. I did read that. How come I'm missing it now? Because um, you're on the radio. Because yeah, you're live. Did, That's um, why. I didn't it read. happens. <laughs> no, I, I didn't read the whole, I heard the kid screaming, following this well, let me ask Bianca a question well, while you're Maybe in one of the articles. Yeah. Okay, did, well. He did know the child. He, he Somehow he was related or did know the child. Well, 67, so that would be a grandfather age probably? Could be. You know, I mean, how would yeah. you know a child, <laughs> you know, Boy Scout leader? <laughs> I mean, where do we, a priest? <laughs> you know, I mean, where? Nowadays, where, it's 35 and grandfather's. How is that physically possible? Well, uh, I I guess it is physically possible. (laughs) uh, Yeah, that's scary. What, two 15-year-old mothers in a row? Yeah, I guess you could, yeah. um, But that that brings up a good point. When do you intervene? At what Mm -hmm. point do you make that decision? I don't think there's any, any right or wrong answer. Everybody mm-hmm. has to make that decision for themselves. But in this situation, you know, when you you hear a child screaming and it's just not like crying screaming, and then they're saying, don't beat me, you still have to be a little cautious, you know, because you, you don't know what the situation is. Well, I think snatched from the car happen- was my first clue. 
You know, I mean, if, if, someone, if someone is taking a kid out of a car that doesn't appear to know the kid or the kid doesn't appear to know, and they're screaming, you know, yelling like, who are you? What are you doing? What's going on? That's a really good clue because kids just, usually don't do that to their parents. They might not but like your parents. They him. might not, you know, <laughs> beg pardon? He did know him, the oh, kid and the person. Yeah. Oh, okay. So when he snatched well. him out of the car. So there, there's, there, there's a lot of questions that you can come up with here. Yeah, that's a good point. You, you just have to be, you have to be cautious, but yet mm-hmm. you have to make that decision if you're willing to intervene. In this situation, yeah, it could have been really bad. I don't, I don't know what the reasoning why this child was getting beat. But um, how old is the child? Yeah, how, so how old are we talking about here? Do you, do you know the age? No, they don't give the child any information on the child. No, because the child is no, anybody under eighteen. Or are, are we talking a fourteen-year-old? Are we talking a six-year-old? That makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't they don't give any information on the child other than the fact they took him to juvenile department to receive attention and care. Um, huh. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so that that's the point. When when do, if you didn't mm-hmm. when when do you intervene? And then when you talk about domestic violence situations, okay, mm-hmm. let's say you come upon uh, well, we're going to go both ways. Let's say a woman is beating up on a man. Mm-hmm. Do you intervene? What do you do if she's threatening yeah. him and beating him? Well, it goes against. You know, my upbringing, you know, in the age that I was brought up, you don't expect that you don't see it, uh, but it happens now, you know, and equality goes both ways. People don't think about this, but uh, there's a and men especially will not complain. You know, when I first started studying the men's movement, that's one of the problems that uh, men were getting assaulted. Uh, usually with objects uh, of some things to sort because men are, are stronger generally, uh, but not always. And, uh, and you've got a problem of, of, you know, things being done to guys, you know, that, uh, that are assault, you know, so, uh, but most men won't report that. So there was underreported and even if they do report it, the police don't believe them because, you know, men are by nature stronger, you know, without objects, weapons, things like that. That's why weapons equalize. So it's an interesting thing, but it, it, it is a problem both ways, both of, of men admitting that, uh, you know, they are a victim and no guy wants to do that. You know, so, but on the other hand, uh, you know, the, the women, same thing. I mean, who wants to, no one wants to think of themselves as a victim, no matter who they are. So that's a problem. That's, that's a thing to get over too. Hmm. But then you so, also have yeah. to look at, let's say it's, the situation was changed. Maybe the man was beaten up on the woman. Right. Now you also have to remember that the situation in domestic violence, the woman sometimes is not, what is that syndrome called? Uh, the, basically, the woman might turn on you as well. So then, if you intervene, if this man's beating on a woman, you intervene, hope thinking you're saving the woman, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. she is attacking you as well because you're attacking yep. this gentleman, this guy she supposedly yeah. loves. There's yeah. that, just a name for that syndrome. I can't remember what it was. Well, the Stockholm syndrome but, is when people love their captors. I, I don't. Know, this is this is a, an abuse syndrome, and I don't know the name of it. Pianki, do you know? Can you help us out here? I know what Shirley's talking about. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. No, but I know of instances. What uh, I've seen on YouTube where a woman was beating the hell out of a man, the police turned the corner and drove right on by. Yeah. And you had an incident there in Missouri where uh, a person came in the store, and the storekeeper got no argument with him. The storekeeper told him to get out. And this guy was all duty firefighter, by the way. He was white. <clears throat> And the guy that 
the storekeeper told to go out. He was black. He went to his car and got a gun and was coming back, and that's when the firefighters started wrestling with him, trying to take it away from him. And the firefighter was getting the best of him. Then his wife comes up, takes the gun from him, and shoots the firefighter and kills him. Wow. Wow. Do you know that story, Shirley? I had not heard that one. I I heard, I think I vaguely remember something about it when I was doing some research on, on stories um, to, to actually post. I remember something about a firefighter being shot, but I did not, I guess I didn't read into the article to know that it was the wife that intervened against who was the robber. The wife of the guy. Yeah, that, it, 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 yeah, it was it was a, it was an argument in the store, and the storekeeper told the man to get out of the store, and uh, the firefighter also told him, "Well, you do like the storekeeper tell you, basically." And this guy goes to his car and gets a gun, and then the firefighters see him coming back, and he comes in, they get to wrestling, and uh, he's getting the best of the the guy that was told to get out of the store, his wife or his baby's mama comes out and tells him to stop, stop because my kids are watching and he takes the gun, she takes the gun from her, for him and uh, shoots the firefighter in the back and kill her. Yeah, the firefighter probably thought that she would uh, hold and defuse the situation that the gun would be safe with her. There's interesting perception. Um, you know, there, there, there are cases where, you know, a man would be being assaulted by a woman and, you know, the, the guys will come to the rescue of the woman thinking that the, the guy deserved it, <laughs> you know. And so there's, there's a real perception problem, you know, about this. That'd be an interesting topic, Shirley, as differences you come upon, you know, uh, violent situations, you know, who is attacking whom and how does, how does it change whether it's men or women involved. It, it's, it's really it's an interesting topic, but you're right. You don't know. And until you know, uh, this is what the police do. They, they stop everybody. <laughs> you know, they, they, they hold everybody at gunpoint until they get it figured out. And I guess as a, well, what do you teach, Shirley? How do you teach a situation where you don't know what's going on? You know, there's an assault. You know, there's a crime being committed. You don't know exactly who or how or what the circumstances are. What do you teach people to do? Well, like I said, it's going to have to be a personal decision. You, you okay. have to assess assess what's going on the best of your ability, but also understand that your intentions will not be automatically known to anybody. They won't mm-hmm. know, you know, when the police arrive, are you a good guy, bad guy? They don't know. But yeah. that's why it's very important to to be aware of your surroundings. So when they approach, you put down your firearm if you have a firearm. But it is, it's a tough call because I've done some scenario training mm-hmm. and at, at times, um, I made the decision just to walk away, call 911. You know, it wasn't, I didn't feel like I, I could get involved and be comfortable with my abilities, or I wasn't sure what was going on, and my best call was to call 911. Nobody was actually getting killed at that time. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a uh, uh, an active shooter. It was like people pushing, shoving, you know, if you're pushed, if someone's being pushed and shoved, is it gotten to the point where you need to draw your firearm? Maybe not. You can holler out, "I'm going to call 911." I'm calling the police, and maybe that will, you know, calm things down some. But it is a tough call. 
and like I said, I, I don't know all the answers to it. I don't think there is anyone that knows the answers to it. It's a decision yeah. everybody has to has to assess things that they know at the time. Yeah, if someone's you know, a little child yeah. getting choked, that's totally different. Mm-hmm. No matter if it's their parent or not. But if a kid's getting spanked, you know, maybe for doing something horrendously wrong, uh, you know, the natural inclination is to look at the parents and parents get embarrassed. That's why they, they don't, I think a lot of times in public, they don't discipline their kids. But if the kid needs disciplining in public, you do it. But if they don't, then don't. You know, I think parents say no to their kids too much anyway, but that's another story. Um, something I thought of a little different on this, we were talking about the death penalty for drug dealers. The concept I've uh, sort of come up with in the last little while, Shelley, you'd be a good person to ask about this, you know, in, in criminal justice. If we're going to have a death penalty, what, what if we had a new standard uh, of guilty beyond no doubt or guilty beyond any doubt? In other words, in this age of technology, with videos, with surveillance, with things they didn't have, you know, 200 years ago or even 100 years ago when juries had to go on on witness testimony and things that were much more arbitrary and, and much less certain. You know, would it be an interesting thought to, to work on, and this is something that I think would be good with you and DC Project, to maybe work on a standard of, of guilt uh, beyond any doubt and add that to our, to our legal proceedings. So guilt beyond a reasonable doubt and then guilt beyond any doubt. In, in other words, the, 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 uh, the Waukesha, uh, Wisconsin uh, murderer who ran the SUV uh, into that whole crowd and killed six people and injured a bunch more. There's no doubt who did it. I mean, none. We know exactly who did it. They were caught at the scene. They were photographed at the scene. I think they were captured at the scene. Would that be a, a concept that we could add to our uh, our discussion of you know death penalty for for any particular crime if we had a new standard uh, uh, guilty beyond any doubt? What do you think? I know this is brand new, but uh, I want to toss it out at you. I'm curious. Yeah, well, that's an interesting interesting point to bring up because they use videos like that against law enforcement mm-hmm. when they're trying to do their jobs. So how come it's so hard to use it against the person that did the crime? Mm-hmm. Is it really, you know, for some reason it doesn't hold up as court as, as well as, you know, other videos which show someone trying to help. Um I don't know, but when they do the death penalty in the the states that do the death penalty, mm-hmm. they're like on death row for ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot <laughs> of times. Because they get uh, to appeal, and they get to appeal, and they get to appeal. And if the evidence is there, it's, it's kind of interesting thought. If the evidence is there and there's no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I think it would make question. for shorter appeals because if there is no doubt, if you, if you were captured on film. Now, I'm not trying to deny anybody the due process by doing this. I mean, you still have a trial. You still have an arraignment. You still have a grand jury. You still have evidence. You still have a, a jury you know, of your peers. Uh, you have that. But I think it would be an interesting new standard uh, for that death penalty would not be considered until it's, it's guilty beyond any doubt. And I think that'd be an interesting way to look at it because, and I have a friend of mine, Jeffrey Descobic, uh, who was wrongly convicted at, I think it was 16 years old, uh, convicted of rape and murder. Uh, and he didn't do it. And he started his own Innocence Project Foundation, Jeffrey Discovery Foundation. I should have him back on. Um, because, and maybe I can run back on with you. It would be a good thing to talk about. But, um, you know, I personally know somebody that spent 17 years in jail for a crime they didn't commit. Uh, and it carried, it could have carried a death penalty. I think it was life in prison. But what if you've been executed five years in? And he didn't do it. This is why I'm against the death penalty. Yeah, unless there's beyond a reason, beyond doubt. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It has to be, you have to have the evidence for sure. Yeah. There's no doubt that 
that they did it. I'm going to work on that. Yeah, I'm going to work on that with lawyers. Let's let's get Dershowitz on the show. Guilty beyond any doubt, mm-hmm. and new standard of justice. Anyway, back to you. You got five minutes. <laughs> I know you have to go for your class. Okay. Yeah, I've got five yeah. minutes. I want just one before I I go. I did want to bring up. Did you hear about the measure 114 in Oregon that got yes. voted in? We had uh, Laurie, who's in Oregon, uh, who's a, a fellow uh, talk show host, Laurie Ann Kellert. Uh, I, think I hope I pronounced the name right. Um, on uh, Blog Talk Radio, is in Oregon. She 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 was with us for an hour talking about it. Yeah, it's horrendous. Now, did it pass? From what I understand, it did. Because we have the DC Project State Director. They're working to uh, to fight it now. Getting. Getting things in, getting their how do you, how do you put it getting their ducks in a row? <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah, that's a good expression. This. Well, thought, or, 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 I as I heard, line up your dinosaurs and slay them one by one. I, I, I like that one; it's much more graphic. I've never heard that. That sounds mm. cool. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, so, that's when you're in a crisis. When you're in a crisis, line up your dragons and slay them one by one. Dragons. Oh, okay. You can but quote the thing me. That, that really. Uh, <laughs> On, on all the parts that I read about it that I was amazed at, even a retired law enforcement officer with their credentials, with their mm-hmm. retirement credentials, is not exempt from any of the permitting requirements or the See, mag. That's new. That's new. It used to be they were. And that's why law enforcement didn't no. care about gun control. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, And also licensed security professionals are not exempt. Hmm. Are they letting the police even keep firearms? (laughs) That's kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought that's why the governor said that a person shouldn't be required to show that they can do math. Math is where they graduate from high school. You got a lot of uh, retards up in that area. I think they're mostly in Portland. The rest of Oregon wants to, half of Oregon wants to become part of Idaho, and the other half wants to be part of Northern California and the state of Jefferson. It's just Portland. Portland's where all the nutcases are. Maybe Eugene, where the University of Oregon is. Oregon's a beautiful state. I've been through there. Uh, I've been all up and down the West Coast. It's absolutely gorgeous, but the people are completely nuts uh, along the coastline. Um, Doesn't Oregon... Shirley, don't they have an attorney general? How did this nonsense, this obviously anti-Second Amendment, obviously illegal provision, how did it even get on the ballot? Don't they have a, like any kind of a check and balance in Oregon to at least review stupid measures like this? You know, it's like a court case. You know, they have a frivolous lawsuits. You can't, you know, just because you can bring a lawsuit doesn't mean you can bring a frivolous one. This is a frivolous bill because it's obviously illegal on its face. Shirley? No, I don't. I don't know. I was wondering that myself. I was wondering why didn't he get pulled? How can that get to the ballot? Mm-hmm. But you know, I guess anything can get to the ballot if you. I don't know what the restrictions are in Oregon mm-hmm. to get something. But, well, in California, uh, most things so can many, get to the ballot, so but they still have to have the attorney general. They still have to have the attorney general in California. I mean, you have to have a or a state legislature or something. There is a process. Otherwise, you'd have everything on the ballot. You know, free money. <laughs> you have all kinds of wacko things on the ballot. You know, but um, yeah. Oregon, I don't know. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what that, mm. the rules on that are. But, yeah. um, okay. Well, that, that's all I had to report. I just wanted to bring that point up since no, we don't have point. Jim here to bring up all this interesting uh, Uh, I miss miss Jim already. I mean, I I did the first day he wasn't here. So uh, this this is a huge loss. I know he's got things he has to do and uh, and, and can't uh, be on the show anymore. But it's it's really, you know, there's certain folks I wish would just, you know, stay with, you know, know, until (laughs) until somebody else takes over Action Radio. Um, But um, yeah, yeah. because his his experience is, is 
we can't replace the experience that he has. But anyway, I have, to you have to close. See if we can get him back. Get See if we can get him back for guests. Make sure you wear your gun. I mean, I'm sorry. Make sure you wear your weapon, whether it's a gun, a knife, or a uh, hairpin. How about all the above? Yeah. Yeah. If you can hold it in your arms, it's arms. We should do an alternative weapons show. We should talk about tasers and stun guns and pepper spray and things like that at some point. Uh, do you teach those in your firearms class? I do not. But uh, there are disadvantages. I've talked to law enforcement about tasers. And, um, yeah, we've talked about that and how they use them and when they use them. Um, yeah, it's a law enforcement tool, but I'm thinking like stun guns and pepper yeah. spray, and you know. But you never, anymore. you never use them. You never use them alone. You always have your backup there okay. because it's so because the possibility that the wires don't both stick, then you have an issue, or or it doesn't stop the the person. So they, yeah. what I was told is they were taught to always have a backup before you use that. So. If, if something goes wrong, you have someone else there that can pull the firearm if they need to. But Makes anyway, I, like I said, I do have to go. go. Contact information and you're out of here. Yeah, just tell us, okay. tell us the contact. I'm sorry, Shirley. Yeah, so if you're just interested in getting involved in DC Project, go to dcproject.info. And uh, oh, also, if you're interested in purchasing my book, Heels to Holster, you can get that on Amazon. It's Heels to Holster, My Survival of Domestic Violence. And that's my report from Action Radio. Have a wonderful week and an awesome Thanksgiving. Don't eat too much turkey. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Shirley. Talk to you. Oh, we're going to take off next week. I'm not going to do a Friday show. So enjoy the Thanksgiving time. Don't worry about us. And uh, have fun. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Okay, Black Friday. And Black Friday is already going on, apparently. I feel like I'm late in my Christmas presents because everybody's advertising Black Friday right now. <laughs> so this is Black Friday month. So we have Black History Month. Now we have Black Friday month. Pianki, you and I, we, we got to talk about this in a minute. Go ahead. Oh, I swear. They've been talking about Black Friday all month long. And I'm like, hey, I feel like I'm late. <laughs> no, no, it is. It's okay. a month-long thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to update my, uh, my TV. I'm going to get like a Roku system now that they have a Black Friday deal. So, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll be talking. Okay. Bye. Have fun. See ya. Hello. This is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, 
write your laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Biden's dark winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. Yes, and speaking of stealing the election, <laughs> I made that before the 2020 election. Uh, it's just as true as it was uh, then. And uh, we've got, we got 25 minutes, Pianchi, to kind of uh, hash out the issues. Derek's joining us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Mike Clinch is coming in for Science Friday. He's got a whole report on McClellan, um, Fort McClellan. I thought it was McClellan Air Force Base. Anyway, they have a lot of the same problems that Camp Lejeune has. So we're going to get a look into uh, some of the toxics, uh, some of the chemicals, and some of the problems there. So we've got a busy Friday, but we've got uh, a little bit of time now to kind of hash over anything that, uh, that you think needs hashing. But uh, the stolen, you know, not only is the election stolen, but I think the Republican Party has been stolen. We, we have, we have the, the, uni part, the uniparty, as people are starting to call it. You know, or as I call them, the, the, the gelding old party or now the uh, transgender Democrats because they're, they're in transition, you know, away from uh, uh, consent of the governed to uh, consent of, of the government, <laughs> you know, government consenting of the government. So any particular issues that have been bugging you all week that we haven't had a chance to cover? Anything uh, on your mind? We've covered a lot of issues. There's always something to talk about. With yeah. the state and mental state of people today, yes, it is a lot. I mean, just flip of a coin. Well, let's 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 do that. The mental state of people today. So, how is it that we have an illegal coup uh, occupying the federal government with a rating of about thirty percent, and yet, uh, even without the stealing of the elections, uh, the, the Democrats would still have way, way, way. Uh, or representation uh, in the Congress, the, in the House and the Senate, then they would have, even if the elections were fair, I don't think they'd have control of either House. But, you know, you consider 
the destruction that they've brought to this country in the last two years, with the willing acceptance of the Republicans too. I mean, they're not they're not innocent in this, but the the situation. You know, that uh, two years, I mean, it's amazing how fast this country was destroyed with COVID uh, related policies that had nothing to do with COVID and everything to do with with control. You know, this, we, the, the only epidemic out there, we have a control epidemic. We don't have a COVID epidemic. We've always had a control epidemic and that people willingly accepted. They accepted masks. They accepted schools being closed. They accept not everybody did, but enough people did that it, it didn't make a difference. You know, they, they, they left their jobs and, uh, you know, certain people. Well, here's an interesting topic. Certain people uh, who left the military and left their, their jobs rather than get the, 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 the COVID gene, you know, um, infusion, you know, they, they lost their jobs. So a lot of them are getting it back. Trump's promised to get the military back in with back pay. I think uh, anybody that left their, anybody that's forced out of a job, you know, to get a jab uh, should also get their job back and back pay. And as I told people, I said, don't get the jab. You're going to get your jobs back. It's going to take a while, but you're going to get them back. And I think that's what's happening right now. But we've got two, two issues. The willing compliance of people uh, compared to, say, Brazilians that are fighting back. <laughs> Brazilians are fighting the election you know, harder than we are. The Germans, I can do an election report probably on Monday uh, of, the, of the other nations around the world that are fighting their stolen elections. And we're not. What happened to Americans? Are we that beaten into the ground? Are our are, are, are kids that you know, uh, uh, hooked on video games where they just, they just don't care. Are they that detached? Are government schools that indoctrinating? I can't imagine ours are any more indoctrinating than Germany's or Brazil's or, or any country that's challenging their election. So what the hell's going on here? What happened to Americans? There's All the above. Wow. All the above. It starts with the, with the education of the child, of course, and it works its way Right mm-hmm. on up through their progressive years, and the mm-hmm. uh, basically the attacks that they receive from the exposure to explicit sexual material are mm-hmm. trying to convince them out of their wits, helping them to convince themselves out of their wits of being a male when they're female, or vice versa. You know, and I use that against them too. I mean, I, I use the term transgender Democrat. Everybody thinks it's funny, but nobody's picking up on it. No one has, has the guts to use it themselves or very few people, you know, so we can come up with these, these, these brilliant things. But, uh, well, here's another question too. You know, everybody knows that I'm, I face massive censorship on this show uh, because of my stand on uh, chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, the fact that uh, Dr. Fauci is really Dr. Fascist. I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, that the election was stolen. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not hiding anything I believe. And I do that even though, even though I know the price is massive censorship um, from big tech. And so I don't care. So I've got a bill to cure that. And yet that bill's not being shared. Our show's not being shared in the numbers that it could be compared to who listens. We're on 15 to 20, I figure, uh, different podcast services. I have no idea how many people hear this show. I know that our listenership is growing quickly in Australia, Canada, and England. You know, I know these countries want freedom, and yet we're still suffering under, under the censorship because not enough people are sharing the show. None of people are sharing the bills. That apathy runs to us too. Everybody, like I say, everybody knows I'm being censored, but no one wants to just share the show every day or, or some days or, or, you know, once a week, you know, it's just the, the apathy goes to us directly. And because it goes to us directly, we can't be as effective as we can be. So if you want us to help you help us, you know, help us help you. That's you, the listener who's listening right now, podcast or live, you know, share a show, share a bill, writeyourlaws.com. You know, otherwise they win and they're winning now because I don't have the help that I need to get the show and get the, uh, the bills out there. But that's, that's how bad the apathy is. It affects us directly. Pianki? 
Well, if you don't have foot soldiers, it makes a lot of a difference to wage a war and to be successful at it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Absolutely. Has that been the case? Yeah, that's why I try and get the big public figures to announce us and hopefully get some support that way. People like to go with winners, and it's easy to vote for someone you know is going to win. You know, and so that's that's part of the problem too. You know, they they want to fight the battle after it's over, or they they want to you know like to think they're doing. In other words, they want the sure thing. You know, it's like it's like investing when Derek comes on. Derek will be on in a little bit. You know, people want to invest in a sure thing and they don't want any losses. Well, life doesn't work that way. You've got to take a chance. That's what the difference between an entrepreneur and an employee. An entrepreneur, you know, takes a chance. You know, you can you can succeed or you can fail. That's the way it goes. I have, I have, I have no intentions of failing. I don't care what the censorship is. You know, so uh, to my last breath, <laughs> you know, I'm going to make this work. But I don't think it's going to take that long. I think in the next two years, especially if we can connect with the Trump campaign, uh, are going to be fabulous for Action Radio and citizen legislation. You know, once we do that, you know, all the other folks will go, oh, gee, I guess it's okay now. He's been approved. So the Trump supporters will go, well, maybe I should share a bill. Hey, maybe I should share the show. You know, so this is my strategy. This is where I'm, I'm trying to go with this, that uh, if we can connect with the people that can really help us, that's going to be a huge step towards us helping all the people. Anyway, that's how I see it. Well, you know, you, you have to forewarn yourself of things that's coming. You know, there's going to be big attempts to – uh, create a divide line between Trump and DeSantis, uh, mm-hmm. one, and uh, people are going to be talking about uh, how the next president, if it's Trump, how he wants to get away, do away with uh, Obamacare and all remnants of it, because basically it hurts other other portions of the population and mm-hmm. causing them distress in their economic problems. So you just have to be aware of those things. Well, Obamacare was national health care. Uh, the whole COVID doctrine was national health care. Everything they've done, they've nationalized. Actually, they combined. It's like they combined public health and the Justice Department. <laughs> so they, they issued these mandates, which were illegal, you know, basically from health. And you look at a lot of uh, holocausts. You know, the doctors are behind it. You look at, um, in fact, I remember reading something about uh, torture. And, and they said that, uh, you know, the tortures were bad, but the doctors were the worst because the doctors would come in and they would tell, uh, tell you know, the tortures how to hurt more. You know, th- this will cause more pain. You know, and then they go home to their, their wife and kids like it was a day at the office. You know, hi, honey, be home at six. I'll be a little bit late. OK, yeah, I'm, I'm helping the uh, torture. I'll be right. You know, I'll be, you know, so it's just keep, keep dinner warm. I mean, it's that kind of thing. They, they detach, you know, so much. So, so doctors, you know, can be your best friend or your worst enemy. Because they know human anatomy, they they know a lot of stuff, and so I remember reading that. I think it was a South American uh, situation, but yeah. So so uh, just because someone's a doctor doesn't mean they have your best interest at heart. You look at all the doctors that killed people for money, put them on remdesivir, then a ventilator, they died. They got their hundred thirty thousand dollars for the hospital, and went on to the next COVID victim. And that's where the COVID victims are. They weren't at home. Uh, well, they were at home, you know, because they didn't get treatment. But the people that got treatment, you know, they're still with us. You know, there, there are millions of people, I think, that got ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D3, vitamin C, zinc, that are doing just fine now. They're the ones that just stand up and say, hey, you idiots, this treatment worked. I'm, I'm living proof. And yet that's not happening. So, you know, there's, there's too much apathy. People are, are, they're not giving their consent to be governed. They're consenting to being ruled. That's what I think our problem is. People have, have decided that uh, they can't do anything. They won't do anything. And it's, it's easier just to go on and give their consent to be uh, dominated as opposed to actually living as a free person. 
I feel like Braveheart. <laughs> He's like, why don't you want a free country? We're trying to bring you a free country. And you're not helping us. You know, you could have had a grand time, but no, you sat there and you accepted the authority of the dictators. What's wrong with you, laddies and lassies? So much for my Scottish accent. <laughs> but that's kind of where we are. It's, it's an interesting position. So how do we go forward in this, in this crazy world where the Republicans are Democrats, the Democrats are, are Marxists, you know, and the people are apathetic? It's kind of frustrating. Well, election fraud, shall I say, ballot fraud helps create apathy, yeah. right? That's true. It does. Yeah. Here's, a, here's an article for you, too. Patriot Post, another uh, one of my new sources. Uh, and this is uh, Mark Alexander, November 16th, who says, GOP leaders, it's the bulk mail ballots, stupid. Trump was absolutely correct in his claim that there was massive fraud in the 2020 election, which we all know to be true. But, uh, and here's, here's a quote, if it be, this is an Alexander Hamilton quote, 1794. If it be asked, what is the most sacred duty and the greatest source of our security in a republic? The answer would be an inviolate respect for the Constitution and laws. Well, we have neither respect for the Constitution or the laws at this point. Uh, apparently, we have uh, anarchists. Uh, we have anarchist Marxists. They bring about complete disorder in a lawless situation and use it to uh, accumulate totalitarian power. Here's another quote. There are three things that help the Senate secure the majority. Uh, this is uh, Chuck Schumer, Senate Majority Leader, Chucky Schumer, who recently came out for amnesty, which is kind of interesting. You know, in other words, amnesty for illegals, abortion for Americans. It's a fascinating policy. He says there are three things that help the Senate secure the majority. One, our terrific candidates. Two, our agenda and our accomplishments. Laugh number two. And three, the American people rejected the anti-democratic extremist mega Republicans. That's how Chucky Schumer sees it. Piaggy? He's got a point. Amnesty for illegals. Amnesty for illegals. That's what he's doing. He's, he's a big claim to fame now. He wants amnesty for illegals to make them all citizens, and he wants Americans to be aborted. So kill the Americans, make citizens out of the criminals. It's fascinating. And nobody calls him on it. Well, people do, but, you know, you know where, where's the media? <laughs> so, Chuck Schumer, do you realize you've just outlined the great, the great replacement? You're accusing, you know, people of being, uh, especially the, the, the white supremacists you think are out there. Anyway, it's this fact check. Back to the article. Schumer's candidates are Socialist Democrat Party drones, and their agenda was a long list of policy failures. What actually ensured demos would win the Senate and beat back massive losses in the House, turning the red wave into a mere red ripple. Remember we called it the, the red ripple, one of our talk show, one of our, our show titles? I just think it's funny. I love being quoted. Into a mere red ripple were two factors Schumer failed to mention. First would be the massive influence of the left media platforms that perennially use their airtime to defend and endorse demos. That combined with the fact that big tech has refined and perfected the suppression of conservative speech, that would be us here, uh, is a major factor keeping the political playing field hit the listing hard left. They have done a masterful job of keeping the demos low info voters dumbed down. Pianca, this is what you talk about. Just imagine what the political landscape would look like if the media talking heads and scribes were actually exercising objective journalism. The second factor would be the Democrats' bulk mail fraud strategy, which they refined and perfected in 2020 under the auspices of protecting voters from the Chi-Com virus. In tandem with left media and social media bias, that strategy ensured that the 2020 election would produce a historic number of votes, uh, paving the way for the election of Joe Biden. 
and he gets he's more on that in a minute. But those are the two things. Those are the two things he talks about. Uh, the, the, the massive media input and the censorship of big tech help the Democrats. And the second one is the massive vote fraud, particularly the mail-in ballots. I think he's got a point. Well, how can you accurately do voter exit polls to determine what percentage of the voters are female and what percentage are male when they both identify each other? <laughs> well, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. I thought you were going to go somewhere totally different. I thought you were going to say that, well, actually, the exit polls might be a really great representation. So what if the exit polls, and there's a scientific way to do it, you know, you can take a sample. They can sample, they can pretty accurately judge the opinion of most Americans with 1,000 people. But you've got to qualify. You've got to, get, uh, you know, you've got to divide people up you know, pretty equally, independents, Democrats, and Republicans, if you're going to have a representative sample. But say you have a representative sample, you know, statistical analysis, if it's done right, is good enough that you can usually get a pretty good sense of where the population is based on 1,000 people. Uh, assuming they're going to respond honestly. So you know. So if you take, um, if you do an exit poll and your exit poll heavily favors, or favors the Republican candidate and all of a sudden the Democrat wins by any kind of a margin, you know, you might want to question it. Not, it's not guaranteed that there's vote fraud, but uh, if, you have a, if you have a lopsided Republican, you know, favorability and the Democrat wins, that's worth looking into, especially if you have a representative sample exit poll. If you just have a few people, it doesn't count. But if you do sample properly, that to me would be, uh, would be an indicator, not evidence, but it would be an indicator that there's a problem with that particular election or that particular place. So that's where your vote fraud would come in. What do you think? Well, yeah, but yes, you're right. But when you got this gender identity thing that's going on and you want to determine how many women voted compared to how many males voted, you can't do it no longer. Because you got males identifying as females and females identifying as males. You can't do it no longer. Mm, I don't think that's that big a percentage of the population. You know, remember, remember when the worst, remember when you and I were growing up, when we were kids, the worst thing you could be identified with as to have like girly tendencies, you know, or be called a sissy. <laughs> now, of course, it's, 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 it's trendy. But there was a time when the last thing, you know, a young boy, you know, when we were uh, at different times, he's got a couple of years on me. But when we were both like, you know, six, seven, eight years old, the last thing you wanted to be identified with was, was being a girl. You know, it was okay for the girls to be tomboys. That was okay. But uh, the boys, no, we had to be boys. We had to be, you know, young men uh, at a very young age. So the last thing you wanted to identify with was, was, was the opposite sex. Uh, that's changed. <laughs> now people don't even have a sex. You know, now they're androgynous. Now they're, they're what is it? Uh, they're, they're, bi, they're, not, they're non-binary or whatever it's called or cisgender. You know, two, two very bizarre concepts I hear. But I don't think that's a big part of the population, Piaki. I really don't. I don't think uh, that's the issue. I think the biggest well, it problem has is, to be. Yeah. Why? It has to be a large portion of the population that's just showing up in ballot issues at the polls. So which ballot issue are we talking about? Where, where, does, where does this show up? See, I'm, I'm looking at the results, not, not, the, not the, the statistical breakdown of the people that voted. I'm looking at who they voted for in the exit poll, not who they are. I think you're looking at. Well, did not DeSantis say that biological males can't compete in female sports? Mm-hmm. He did. Well, that means that there's there's large enough of tendency for that to happen because the population that think along those lines have increased, or it finally came out and revealed itself. And so, how can you uh, make a equation on the number of females that voted, especially voted for a particular candidate? when you got males that's pretending to be female and, and it's perfectly okay. Yeah, it won't change the vote though. 
It won't change them. It'll change the statistics of who voted, but it won't change the actual vote total. That's what I'm getting at. I don't think it, it makes. What those arguments are used is saying that we're putting forth arguments that deny not only blacks the right to vote, but denying women the right to vote. You deny women uh, the right to health care. Uh, well, uh, abortion. Well, that's just made up. Uh, stopping abortion is denying women the right to health care, whereas women should be using condoms. Women should be using condoms? <laughs> I think men should be using condoms. They have female condoms. Have you ever – did you know that? I didn't. The things I learned on this show, we should ask Dorothy about that on Monday. Female condoms. That's fascinating. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know if I want the details at this particular moment, <laughs> but it's an interesting thought. Well, let's, you know, what do, what do we do? I think our biggest problem really is the geldings, geldings that refuse to stop the, um, the vote fraud in these other states. Now, I was, just before I got on the air, I was listening to One American News, and Pearson Sharp was talking about Florida does it right. In Florida, we have voter ID. Now, Josie would make it better with fingerprint voter ID. Voter ID. I tend to agree with that. Uh, I also think that our citizenship should be on your driver's license. So it actually could be used as a national identifier, assuming that they, uh, they do it properly and they don't just sign people up like California would do. So I don't know what's going with this. I had a, I had a thought. Uh, anyway, oh, Florida voting. So Florida. That wouldn't be too good because in some states they allow non-citizens to get driver's license. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it was, but in other words, you'd have to have a state that actually had a citizenship uh, thing where they verified your citizenship before putting it on the, on the driver's license. So if a state like California said American citizen and they weren't American citizens, that would be fraud. That would be grounds for, for having you know, massive fines and legal restrictions against California. Um, I'm not sure how you would do that, but uh, you know, let's put that aside for now. Let's go back to the vote. In, in Florida, you have voter ID. You have the, the early ballots. Um, mail-in ballots, they do have it, which is a problem. But they have to be counted. They can't come in, I think it's like four days before the election. They stopped everything on Saturday. So the election was on Tuesday, November 8th, so 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. So November 4th, everything stopped. The early ballots stopped. The, the mail-in ballots stopped. The, the, everything stopped. And those ballots were counted before Election Day. So they already knew the results of everything else, absentees, mail-ins, and early voting. And I early voted uh, because I think there's too many problems now with having all the Republicans vote on Election Day and all the Democrats vote early. That, that's why I decided about a month or so ago to say, nope, we better vote early because uh, I don't want everybody voting on election day. It's too easy to screw things up. And of course, that's what happened. I didn't know that was going to happen. I just, I, I knew there was going to be a problem. I didn't know exactly what the problem was, but I didn't think all the Republicans voting on one day was a good thing. And I just didn't know what would happen. And then of course, we found out later, you know, that the Democrats had planned for that. And um, that's why they shut down the voting machine on election day in Maricopa County, which should all be thrown out. But Florida, you know, they, they get all those, that stuff in early and this chain of custody. You can't, you know, and you can't mail stuff in after the election. Mail-in ballot comes in after the election. It doesn't count. In fact, it comes in after the four days before the election. It doesn't count. So that's why Florida had all the results. How do you know the illegal ballots? Um, I, they're checked. You know, I have a friend of mine. We're huh? gonna, I'm looking into a, a voter integrity report. We're going to add a new report to Action Radio. You know, voter integrity. I have somebody There's that researches. There's no way to know mm-hmm. that that ballot was cast by somebody who's legally Right. Responsible for casting the ballot. There's no way to know. Right. That's why I don't believe in mail-in ballots. Mail-in ballots are fraud ballots. I don't trust them. I don't think I don't think you should have mail-in ballots, except for uh, exceptional cases of, you know, absentee ballots when people absolutely can't come in. But again, we don't have to make Herculean efforts to, to have people to vote. Yes, it's a right, but it doesn't mean you have to uh, uh, absolutely make it. Uh, 
you know, do these, these ridiculous things that endanger the vote for other people, you know, just so that everybody can exercise the right. You exercise the right when you're capable of doing it. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're suffering from, uh, you know, mental uh, uh, dementia and things like that, I don't want you voting. You know, I don't want people stealing your ballot either. That's what that generally happens. So just because you have, it's like, uh, you know, we have a right to uh, keep and bear arms, but you don't have the right to be given a gun. You've got to earn it. You've got to go out and work for it. Same thing here, even though that's a right. Same thing with voting. You know, if you want to exercise the right to vote, you have to be competent. You have to know what you're doing. You have to uh, be, I mean, this is, this is my ideal. This isn't the law, okay? But you should, uh, but there should no way be um, mail-in ballots. Most people can go to the polls and early vote and be identified. Yeah, they shouldn't be drop boxes either because, once again, you yeah, know, if you're going to have something like that, then mm-hmm. the ballot needs to be out of the envelope. You need to go to the post office where a person there that can check your identification against a national registry of mm-hmm. some sort that has the data in it, then that's the only way. And then you have to prove that you are who you who. Uh, is in the data bank, then that's the only way something like that should be accepted. You, you're hearing and a really I think interesting that they point. Should have some sort of, I think that they should have some sort of identification a number on it. It doesn't have to be a, re- a revelation of a name, but it should be some revelation of some ID number on it, a long crypto number or something that's associated with you. Well, you know, I mean, maybe a passport number would be a good one to do. Last four digits of your social security number. No, that's used for everything. I don't like that. It's used for too many things. But I think you're definitely onto something with a national voter registry. What I would like to see is a national voter registry uh, to check duplicates. So everybody's voter registration should go into the national data bank and see if they're duplicates. In other words, if you're registered somewhere else, then that registration would be canceled. Your most recent voter registration, assuming they have voter ID, would be the one honored, and the other ones would be canceled. That way people can't be registered more than one place. That's a good idea. Yeah. So I have no problem, I have no well, problem with the National Data Bank. Yeah. And you show the lady your identification like I did, mm-hmm. you know, uh, before, the day uh, about a week before the election date in November 8th, she took my identification and checked it. And well, if that identification number pertaining to voting is showing up someplace else in the country, then at that point in time, mm-hmm. not only should she keep my identification, but you probably need to call the cops on me. Well, I mean, some people register to vote uh, in different places, and, and uh, they're supposed to cancel it. Now, I actually made sure that my voter uh, registration in California was canceled. I mean, I did that when I, when I registered in Florida. Now, Florida, uh, anyway, most people don't do that. Most people don't uh, cancel the registration when they change counties. This is why my other provision in a Florida law is that all voter registrations expire on December 31st. It's only good for a year. So you have to re-register. Now, if you've already been to, if you're in the same place, in the same county, at the same address, you should be able to do it online. And say, yep, I'm still here. Uh, It's still me. You know, you checked my voter ID the first time. But if you move, you know, you have to go in person and and, and re-identify yourself. And that should then go into a national data bank. uh, and, And all duplicates should be removed at that point. And so that could be done by number. That could be done by a designation. It doesn't have to be done by individual name. But apparently uh, in Florida, you know, the fact that you vote, you're, you're registered to vote, that's public information. You know, your name, address, phone number, birthday, you know, email address, physical address, party registration, that's all out there on the Internet. That's a mistake. So if they can publish all that, why can't they take that information and look for duplicates? You know, so a, nation, a national voter registry 
is a great idea or a state cooperative. But then there's some, some national things that, that get a little bit crazy. And there's a thing called ERIC. That's the, the uh, uh, something voter, you know, something or other registry or whatever. And we're going to get into that a little bit. Derek's on the line right now. We don't have him for a whole lot uh, of time. Uh, not, certainly not extended. We're, I'm going to try and keep Derek to half an hour anyway. So let's find out what's going on. And he's actually not by his computer, so he can't look things up when I ask him impossible questions, <laughs> which I tend to do uh, a whole lot. So let's get Derek's report, and we'll be right back. Money. What is it? How does it work? How do you get it to work for you? So many choices. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, commodities, and then there are the markets. Oil, gold, manufacturing, trade, energy, even government. To make sense of all the places your money can go, Derek Park of Edward Jones Financial Advisors joins us Fridays at this time to make sense of the markets and your money. So I understand you're on the road to some undisclosed secret location for a, a high-level financial meeting. <laughs> or at least you're on the road. I, I, would, I would call it uh, pretty high-level. Now, unfortunately, uh, uh, we ran over a nail, and uh, my wife had to get new tires, and uh, there's some maintenance things that have to be done, so we have to drive early in the morning. So uh, obviously I've got to go pick her up because they're going to have her car all day. Okay. Well, anytime you have to leave, you know, whatever. I'm just always grateful for whatever time we do have with you because the, the economy, uh, there's so much going on. So you can't do your report, obviously, because you're on the road. So let's just talk in general. Right. Um, we've been talking about the Republican surrender, the fact that they're going to put the deep state McCarthy. We're going to have a deep state McCarthyism in the House. And we've got this new guy, Tom Emmer, who's one of these uh, ESG, what is that, environmental, social, you know, goal people and uh, you know, radical left. ESG. Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit? Tell us what how, and how corporations have been affected by this. It's environmental, social. It's a new way of investing, right? In other words, uh, oh, they used to call it yeah. socially responsible investing. Can you tell us a bit about that? That might be. Uh, I'd be curious. So they actually give companies ratings on how environmentally sound they are, how socially sound they are, and how governmental sound they are. Um, so there's an acronym, obviously, ESG. They're given a rating on to what level they are. Um, and MSCI, I do not know the acronym of that rating company, but they're also the rating company that rate international investments uh, is the one that does it. And they give each company an ESG rating, and they get a stack on how well they fit this. And what that does is say um, it's supposed to be a, a new moral way of investing, I guess. <laughs> the, the moral way is does that mean, profit. Does that mean that the uh, investment yeah. will make you more money than others? Not necessarily. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it, 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 I guess a way to say, hey, I agree with this investment. See, now, I want to talk about that a bit, but I want to see if Pianchi has a question on it because we've never talked about this in any kind of detail. This would be a good time to do it. Um, Pianchi, do you know about this ESG investing? You, I know you're, you're in the market doing stuff. Yankee, what do you think? Have you seen these ratings at all? I think he's left us. No. Yeah. Oh, you mean the FTX? Well, not FTX. No, we can talk about that's a good. We should talk about that too. The money laundering operation that'd be a great one. But uh, ESG, environmental social goal investing. Derek, bringing a lot of night, uh, a lot of noise from your line. So, Derek, why don't you mute yourself unless you're talking? Let's try that. 
And we'll just cut out the wind noise. Once once you're talking, it's okay. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. So then when you're talking, obviously, you're going to talk over the wind noise. But when you're not, it's just a little bit distracting. Pianki, do you know about this? Have you heard about ESG? This is no, I haven't heard about it. Okay. Well, that's good then. So back to Derek. Like I say, if I remember, and I just thought of this just now as we're talking about it, there was something called socially responsible investing. And what they do is they take green companies and they wanted to try and fund the company, uh, green companies and defund companies that they thought were you know, not green you know, oil companies, tobacco, or whatever that was. It was a way to channel money. Uh, it's almost like money censorship. It's, it's a way to put money into companies that, by political agenda rather than by profit, rather than who's going to make you the money. Uh, now, I don't want to invest in a company that has a huge hazardous waste record, but I can make that decision myself. So, Derek, how do you see this? Has, has this affected the market? Is this a really big deal? Is it uh, a political movement? Is it changing companies? Are companies trying to get rating? You know, uh, what kind of ratings are there? I've I got a million questions on it, but I'm just curious your experience with investing with people uh, and with companies with this ESG thing. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily have um, – you know, any big concerns from it right now. And, and actually it's kind of been out for a while. Um, okay. You know, a lot of, a lot of Christian organizations, um, you know, have specific investments. There's companies like Timothy funds, Calvert, um, you know, hmm. these are all fun companies. Uh, there's a couple of them that, you know, focus on what they call morally investing uh, for people with a Christian background. And what it does is, you know, companies that are not environmentally, you know, uh, good, even oil companies, you know, some are worse than others. Um, uh-huh. You know, your bigger companies have gotten better over the years. So, you know, I mean, they're in there. Um, but companies that, um, you know, don't focus on gun support, don't focus on alcohol, don't focus on animal research. These funds have been doing this for quite a while. The ESG stuff really just kind of starts putting a rating on everybody that says, um, you know, hey, are you are you on board with this stuff, right? Does it mean that they're not gonna, um, you know, does it mean that they're not gonna make you any money? No, um, you know, the big fear that I hear from clients um, are, you know, like in China, they have your your social rating, you know, mm-hmm. where where if you're not very socially acceptable, you can't get credit for things. Their fear is that our system will get like that, um, you know, and I think that. A bit extreme, um, you know. I mean, I, I can't say that it's not in the realm of possibility because socialism lurks in the corner of every of every society, um, you know. But uh, you know, it, I I don't have any big concerns from it. I mean, uh, it doesn't affect the way people want to buy investments as of right now. Okay, and does it affect the ability? Well, to buy you know investments? what? Uh, well, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Pianki, then I'll ask my question. Pianki, go ahead. You know what it shows up as when you had. The partial post companies refusing to deliver uh, guns. Well, I think that, well, if that's the case, then we shouldn't in, invest in companies that provide rubber gloves for the doctor that's performing an abortion or for other cotton swabs for doctors uh, that's used by doctors who perform an abortion. I mean, this can really take this to a whole different level. Yeah, I mean, I I think when when you're limiting our constitutional rights, um, you know, I mean, I think it's a a very slippery slope. Um, You know, I mean, I I think that, uh, you know, in the past, I'd say five to seven years, 
you know, they've allowed companies to get away with things that are very unconstitutional. And, and you know, I mean, I, I don't necessarily agree with it because I think it has an effect on the way of life, um, you know, in our, in our country and in the way that we've developed our country and culture. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm not in a position to, to make those decisions. That's really my personal feelings. Yeah. Yeah, I think as long as the it doesn't affect government policy, anybody that wants to have a rating system, if you want to list Christian companies, if you want to put Chick-fil-A, Hobby Lobby, you know, some of the other companies uh, that, that are, are, are dominoes, you know, I don't know if it is as much as it used to be, but in, in like a Christian registry, we want to promote Christian companies. You want to do that? Fine. Go ahead. I don't care. If you want to put, you know, companies you consider more environmental, you know, into a listing system and, and give a rating, I don't care about that either. Where I care is if government policy intervenes. Like when you get a, a subsidy for electric cars, where the government says, we want to do push electric cars. In fact, I want to write a bill. Uh, we're trying to get Grover Norquist to help us write it, but I, I can't get a hold of him. But I want to do a bill that uh, puts a tax on electric cars you know, as a counter to the government subsidy, the federal government subsidy. I want Florida to tax them equivalent to the government subsidy, so there's no advantage. So we level the playing field. So as long as government isn't interfering in the... Uh, and the ability of companies to operate by choosing one type of company over another, in other words, choosing electric cars over gasoline-powered cars or even hybrids, then I don't care about the rating systems. Uh, it doesn't matter. But when they influence your decision and your ability to make a decision or either favor or disfavor certain companies by some arbitrary government policy or rating system, that's where I'm going to have problems with it. I think, I'm guessing that you probably do too. Does that make sense, Eric? <clears throat> no, I, 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 I think it holds water. Um, okay. You know, I mean, the government, I, I understand that they're giving subsidies, you know, for electric vehicles. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I, in agreeance, if the electric vehicles are causing a problem in the electric system because of uh, too many on it, you know, I mean, there, mm-hmm. there potentially should be, um, should be some, I guess, uh, I guess, maybe taxes or things that go against the fact that they're costing, um, costing, uh, you know, more pressure on the grid, I guess is kind of a way mm-hmm. to say it. Well, you need electric car tax, like well, you have yeah. a gas tax, gas tax for the roads. And we're, in fact, we're, this is one of the things we've been trying to work on is to come up with equivalent, you know, voltage tax, uh, that would be equivalent to a, a per mile or a per gallon gasoline tax. That's a, you know, so that's one of our challenges right. here. Yeah. Pianchi? Yeah. There are subsidies for, an industry that's going to bring about a drain on your national, your grid system is going to have to require voters and homeowners to take on a larger electric bill to pay for for building new powerhouses and upgrades of powerhouses. You're absolutely right. And, and mm-hmm. then why come the government don't subsidize the uh, bike industry encourage people to exercise more by riding a bike to work rather than cars. Well, actually, they do. In, in San Francisco, they have free well, bike well, lanes. I mean, bicycles don't pay for a road tax, yet they use the same roads that the cars use. Derek? Yeah. Well, well, that uh, that also would get in in the way of the, uh, you know, the health and COVID narratives. I mean, if people are more healthy, then they're less susceptible. To, <laughs> they're less really... susceptible to get sick. Yeah. That's funny. But uh, well, it's true. Too. I mean, it holds water. No, you're man. absolutely right. I mean, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but you know, uh, I just, uh, you know, I think the 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 whole hoopla and what they did, you know, shutting down the country over something that has a 99 percent survival rate is, uh, I mean, yeah. wow. Oh, we've what talked we, about What it. do we do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, well, we need a new word for conspiracy theorists. I would call them forecasters, or I would call them, uh, yeah, forecasters. <laughs> Here's what's coming, folks. Yeah. You know, today's conspiracy theory is is uh, is really uh, you know tomorrow's news story. It's kind of funny. Um, is there? Yeah. I saw a good meme. Um, you know, speaking about that, I I saw a good meme float around that uh, that said. Uh, you know, I, I find it disturbing that, you know, we're worried about how a billionaire that lawfully earned all his money, you know, spends it when he goes and buys Twitter versus a billionaire who has laundered money and gotten in trouble and nobody's saying a word. Well, we're saying a word. We did a whole, we did an hour on it. <laughs> I think actually, I think we did a whole show yeah. on it. Well, what's your take? What, has this affected the market, the, the whole FTX money laundering Ukrainian operation? And then in terms of investment in Ukraine, in terms of the Democrat and probably Republican money laundering yeah. situation there, you know, $100 billion went to mm-hmm. Ukraine and how much came back, you know, for the midterm elections? <laughs> you know, the, the, so there's right. a question. What's, what's the word on Wall Street right. about uh, uh, um, bankmen? There's, there's really money, no word yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Huh, really? But I mean, you know, they haven't even done the calculations on, you know, what companies were affected yet. Um, you know, I mean, this thing they have just cracked the lid on this thing right now. You know, what I mean, hmm. and it's I find it interesting that um, you know, the crypto world, I mean, I've got a lot of people that are very involved in crypto um and, you know, they're mum, you know, they're they're quiet about it. You know, what I mean, crypto, you know, everybody complains about the market losing losing value um you know crypto in the past year has lost uh, 75 percent on bitcoin um on ethereum has lost about 85 um how many trillions uh, are we value. talking about here how many trillions was, oh, was it a paper goodness. loss or? I, I don't I, I don't i don't know the answer no i'm just talking about value decreasing you know right. i mean when the market at its worst was was down 30 percent and so far has recovered 10 of that crypto uh-huh. is still on its way down and, yeah, you know, I mean, a year ago, you couldn't have told anybody that crypto was going to go backwards. I mean, you know, they were just like, nope. Everything crypto, you know, does. Bitcoin's going to, going to, going to 200,000. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's everything has an ebb and flow. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, the, the whole reason crypto exists um, is the whole anonymity of it, the whole purpose that they can buy things that the government doesn't track, right? Huh. And, um, you know, it's it's it, it it it's a you know, I mean I don't think it's a bad thing. Do I think people should be able to trade it? No, but you know, the government goes in to regulate it because they can't track all transactions with it, which means people can do you know, they can buy I I, I know this for a fact that drugs are bought off the internet with cryptocurrency. <laughs> so, you know, Okay, no, that's uh, interesting to know. You know I, mean, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah this I mean, is not my you, area. You do, I mean you, you can buy illegal firearms, you know what I mean? I've, I've heard of that. You know what I mean? Um, you know, people, oh, when, you, when you're using crypto, there is no way for the government to track that transaction. So if people are buying things that are illegal, you know what I mean, uh, buying weapons, buying, buying bullets, buying, you know, humans, buying trafficking, human trafficking, that happens, right? So the you know, cartels, so, has anybody tracked the cartels, Mexican cartels, how much they're into crypto? I don't know the answer to that. I would have to research, but I would assume yeah. so. You know, okay. what I mean, I mean so, I, I so guess it's fine. You can also, yeah. you can also, you can also donate money in other countries to orphanage, to an orphanage, or send money to your relatives in a, in in another country that's uh, economically deprived without going yeah, through Western I mean, Union, who charges you ten to fifteen percent. 
you but you can i mean i agree that there that there should be a need for it you know but i also agree that um you know there should be more regulation on it if somebody can go buy an illegal firearm and go shoot up a school you know i mean and it can't be tracked i mean i disagree with that you know so yeah, i mean i understand illegal, that they're they might buy an illegal farm to go out and kill a turkey for thanksgiving <laughs> that could be true. That could be true. I'm I'm a little bit more worried about illegal firearm killing people than I am turkeys, though. It being Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, because <laughs> we always have the question of freedom. You know, this is why cash is good, because cash can't really be tracked either unless you have, uh, I think, the, the $10,000 limit. In my, my brief time with uh, well, uh, U.S. Customs, track, everybody's bringing uh, like $9,900. Yeah. <laughs> they bring all other. Uh, sure. no, I don't have to register it. It's only 9900 You know, we know how that works. Yeah. yeah. Cash can't be tracked, though. You know what I mean? Cash has numbers, and every time those numbers pass through somewhere, they're logged, right? So oh, they okay. know the flow of currency. So, uh-huh. if per, you know, this, this is something that, that, you know, a lot of people think when we just print money – that they're printing money that, that, you know, is just out of thin air. No, they're replacing bills that haven't popped up on the currency markets, right? So mm-hmm. what happens is when those other ones do come back in, they're pulled out of circulation, right? So mm-hmm. you, you have to understand there is an exchange, right? All the money that leaves is tracked in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, they can track currency to an extent, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, if it's fallen off the map because it's been – you know, down in Mexico forever. I'm just making up a making up a, you know, a place. Uh, uh-huh. You know, obviously it might be a little hard to track currency like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the currency, for example, we found over in Iraq. Um, you know, when we found that currency, um, golly, who knows how long it'd been out of circulation? But we also found brand new bills that were uncut that had never even seen the market. <laughs> so, uncut I mean, as fresh in cut, they weren't bill size, they were in a sheet? Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. No, they were, they were fresh cut, I meant to say. Okay. Yeah, so, 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 they, were, so who, they, they were uncirculated bills. Interesting. So who tracks the money? When, yeah. So when you, when you deposit cash in the bank, do they uh, make a photo record of the serial numbers and, the, and that goes to the treasury or something? Or how, how, is the, how are they tracking the dollars to know which ones to pull out of circulation? And do they use numbers again? Do they do they reuse numbers, or is it or bills have a one time number? I think it's done at the bank when they're run through when they're run through the, um, you know their their counting system that it's uh-huh. that it's scanned basically, and you know I mean they're they're they have to hold it until they know which ones have to either be pulled or which ones have to be you know recirculated whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's done at certain banks. I don't think it's done at the local level. I think it's done when currency is gathered and sent, um, or okay. it could be done at the reserve itself. I'm not. I'm not sh- entirely sure. I just know that it's scanned, and then they're they're documented whether uh, w- whether it needs to be pulled or not. See, that makes sense for maintenance of well, the currency. You know, in, uh, we, uh, hold on for just a second. I think what we're objecting to is having our personal purchases tracked when we use cash, and that's not being tracked, and oh, that's sure. the good part about cash. So, that, so as far as tracking yeah. the currency, I have no problem with that. Uh, again, keep my, my purchases anonymous. If I'm using cash, that's one of the purposes for doing it. Pianchi, back to you. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing with cryptocurrency, the trading of crypto coins is not based on the price. It's just based on the coin itself. And if people person can accumulate coins, then they can swap those coins for whatever denomination that they want to. It doesn't have to be USC dollars. It can be uh, another country's currency also where there is not no regulation. So 
that's the thing that they don't like about it. It's decentralized. Oh, sure. Can't control yeah, it. A, again, one of the whole reasons that it exists, I mean, uh, is because it's decentralized. Um, you know, I mean, I there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I bought Matic coins for 69 cents, and they're being traded. I accumulate uh, Matic, say, like from 100 to 1,000, and then the price go up to $1.09, or the price may go up to 89 cents. So I can hold on to them and sell them when it's convenient. So that's the good thing about that. And sometimes they can be uh, teetered to the U.S. dollar, like USDs. Sure. Yeah, and, and I mean that's that's what people are doing with the cryptocurrency. But ideally, if you know uh, you'd have sent somebody Bitcoin a week ago, you know I mean Bitcoin was at eighteen thousand dollars a coin, and now it's at sixteen thousand. So you know you send somebody to one of these economically struggling countries. I mean they just lost you know uh, uh, you know twelve thirteen percent of their investment um, right right off the gate. So. Basically, a cryptocurrency with with that's more stable or a stable coin that moves around would be a more viable option for things like that rather than one that gains in value and loses value so quickly. Well, you know, you do the same thing with the dollar, too, uh, Jim, because a U.S. dollar used to be worth uh, five Ghanaian CDs. Now, uh, the Ghanaian CD has evaluated where a U.S. dollar is worth probably ten. So you have the same thing with the U.S. dollar also. The U.S. dollar does not move by 10% in, in a week. There's no there's no way it doesn't move like that. The U.S. dollar gains in value when our bonds go up. So the U.S. dollar has gained in value over the past year because of the rising interest rate. So, you know, yeah, that's very true. Actually, when the U.S. dollar gains in value, it is a better opportunity for you to exchange to other currencies because you get their currencies at a better rate. Let me ask you one more question. Uh, Mike wants to join us. Yeah, I.e. right ahead. now, the euro, sorry, yeah, I.e. right That's now, okay. the euro is almost equivalent to the U.S. dollar right now. When normally the euro is, you know, a buck twenty uh, to the U.S. dollars, you can go anywhere in Europe dollar for dollar right now. See, it's in, in Japan, two dollars. You know, it was twice the U.S. That? dollar at one. It was, it was like two dollars and thirty cents when it came out. Yeah, I'd, I'd have back help the, the, the British pound. Uh, is all, is like a buck twenty, uh, you know. When when you know normally the British pound is like a dollar forty to a U.S. dollar. It used so, to be fifty uh, cents. You know, I mean, right it now it used to be half. Japanese to be, yen uh, is a hundred fifty. Uh huh. Yeah, Japanese yen is a hundred and fifty. You know, what I mean, so that's uh that's quite a bit. Yeah, the pound used to be two dollars to the pound. It used to be two dollars thirty to the euro. Uh, so all these currencies are devaluing right. like crazy. Um, we got Mike on the line too. We're going to get into Science Friday at the top of the hour. Um, but my question is is back to FTX again. Um, cryptocurrency is would that be the currency of choice if you're money laundering, if you're you know a corrupt <laughs> Democrat party, if you're a massive trader that's, that's shipping this stuff to billions of dollars to Ukraine and you want to sneak it back into the Democrat and Republican Party coffers, you know, without anybody noticing? Would that be the the, the best way to do it? Oh yeah, I would say that that'd be uh, you know it'd be an untrackable way. You okay. know, I mean the, the 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 they could they could very well, you know, give it give it to one person, you know, right. let the person do the transactions, and then easily say that money came back to them and came back to them as a donation. You know, what I mean, so who's to say that it didn't? That's the government's big problem with it is because they mm-hmm. can't say where it where it went and where it came from. 
you know, so it can be no people can 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 stick it on a can stick it on a USB drive on a crypto wallet and then deliver it to a computer and voila, you know, I mean, here's your here's your cryptocurrency. Yeah, but the government's part of engaged in the cover up. I mean, the, the government's part of this. I mean, two parties that control the government, you know, and and the, and the government controls, you know, us. They're not investigating it. They're not going to do anything about this because they want the, the, the two major parties that control politics that, that got the money. They get the government to put the money in Ukraine. Then they take it back out again by crypto. They're not going to look into this. Right. <laughs> There's no way they're going to touch this kind of stuff. This is the crazy part about it. Well, is that no the government they can trace government. it anyway. Yeah. Okay. I'm just no curious. way you can trace those. Some of those personal, some of those personal uh, numbers have 32 characters in it. Alphanumeric and numeric characters. Wow. And then, like, uh, then the wallet, a hard wallet that you can store them on, you can take them and put it in your pocket. Hmm. Let me get to Mike in the conversation. Mike, do you want to talk crypto or economic stuff, or did you have something else? And uh, I want to make sure we, 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 get, we stick to economics just for the next five minutes anyway. Mike? Oh, yeah. No, I was going to – yeah. I was going to say, personally, it's easy to see why – uh, the country, the government doesn't like crypto. They can't track it, and if they can't track it, they can't tax it. But they can and use it. To me, that yeah, they'll use it though I, for their I, own nefarious means. You know, I'm sure they're, well, they're, Iran's mean, getting crypto from the Democrats. You know, for example. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Mike. Well, you, that's your the point. whole. I said when this whole thing came up two years ago, I told my son, and he's pretty much a big investor. He likes to invest, and and. I told him, I said, crypto's uh, empty. There's nothing there. And he was telling me, oh, no, no, it's going to have value and everything else. And I'm like, I don't think so. Well, that's a great question. What is the value of crypto? Is it like a Ponzi scheme? Is it based on what people think it's worth? What, what is the value of cryptocurrency? They so the value of crypto demand. One at a time. Let's go Derek and then Piaki. Derek? How do we – what is the, the actual value, of, value? The value of cryptocurrency is what people believe it is. Um, okay. There's no – there's nothing that it's, that it's tied to other than investor sentiment. Um, that's really the only thing that, that values against, uh, against uh, the crypto, right? So, you know what I mean? When you're talking about stocks or you're talking about bonds, I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're backed by the fact that they have to pay that. They're under a legal obligation. You know, mm-hmm. so crypto, unfortunately, is not. I mean, it's just, you know, hey, it, I think the value of it is there's people buying it. That's investor interest. So the value goes up when the value, you know, I mean, when you have stuff like, you know, the, the thing going on with one of the biggest exchanges, FTX, it's lost value. Right. Because mm-hmm. there's faith that the faith behind it is losing. Interesting. Pianchi? Well, yeah, FTX lost value because of the uh, Sam Bankman and his antics that he was doing with the Ukraine. Ukraine has always been known with all of, about all sorts of corruption, especially when it comes down to finance. I mean, just look at Joe Biden with the billion-dollar check. That area was typical, not typical, but that there was not uncommon in the Ukraine. Uh, Binance started off as being tied to Ukraine, and anyone with a U.S. ISP address trying to uh, register with that company, uh, you couldn't do it. So what Which they company? done, they opened up a, a Binance, B-I-N-A-C-E. So what they done, hmm. they opened up a company here in the United States where it's uh, Binance.us, 
and I or you or anyone else unless your state prohibits it, and there are some states that do prohibit it, like Texas and South Carolina, where you could not uh, register an account with them and ask. So, well, you could in the United States. So it, it works. And like I say, when you see those that buy when it's less than a penny, they're speculating. But then there's another method where they trade. You trade for the coin. If so your what account shows that you have 5,300 coins, well, then yeah. your coins, you can hold them or you can sell them or you can send them off somewhere to somebody else. So there actually are bitcoins. You can actually get a bitcoin, a physical coin. Not physically, no. Oh. But if, a coin yeah, no, it's, it's cool. if a coin sells for 15000 you can buy a fraction of it as a point zero 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 something. So there aren't – that's interesting. See, if I buy a, a, an ounce of gold, if I buy a – uh, a Canadian maple leaf or an American eagle. I've got a, I've got an ounce of gold. I've got a real coin. I see it. I know what it looks like. You know, it's physical. But Bitcoin seems to be non-physical. Um, let me ask Derek one more question because I know you have to go. Uh, Ukraine. Uh, are people investing in Ukraine? Are the Ukraine companies on the on the stock market? You know, is Ukraine an approved or whatever thing? Or how, what's going on with Ukraine in terms of investments? Are people asking to invest there? Seems a corrupt little dictatorship um, to me. I don't. I don't know because that that is that is a very specific thing. I mean, I do know that uh, the Russian companies that all traded on our on our exchange were all blacklisted. Um, so, like Yandex, really? a lot of people don't know what. Yeah, Yandex. Um, you know, is, is have you heard of Alibaba? No, and I've actually yeah, I've used so Yandex Al- as a search engine. Uh, that's that's one of those ways yeah, that you try Al- and get. Alibaba is China, the China's equivalent of Amazon, which is twice the size of Amazon. Um, wow. Yandex is actually the Russian equivalent of, of, of Amazon, which is twice the size of Alibaba. So it's a monster company. Wow. And they, and they can't trade well, on, you the, know, on, on Wall Street? Well, you know, too. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, hold up, Pianchi, and then I want to let uh, Derek go. I want to get his contact information before okay, he goes. Derek. I don't think he gave it. All right. Yeah, that was that. Yeah. Let's get your content information, then we'll continue on here. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your okay. help today. Well, well thanks, thanks again. Um, you guys have a great day. This is Derek with Edward Jones. You can give it 850-995-0082. Okay. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. Thank Pianchi, you, Derek. Be careful. Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah, get, your, get your tires fixed. You know, get, get some uh, thicker <laughs> tires. <laughs> <All right. laughs> you know, yeah. Bye-bye. Carry one of those air things. Those, you know, actually, I'll tell you, Derek, if you're still on the line, he's not on the line. I'll, I'll tell him later. But uh, something that I actually do now um, is that most times you don't get blowouts like you used to and you had a spare tire. I actually carry a bicycle pump in my car. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a higher pressure. I use it from a bike tire. It's got a tire gauge on it. And I found you can actually, you know, in a pinch, and I had to do this once with my older car, that I got a flat tire. And rather than call AAA and wait hours and hours, I just hauled out the bicycle pump, pumped out the tire. <laughs> it stayed inflated enough to get to the gas station where they changed it. So carry a bicycle pump. This well, you know, you talk about the, uh-huh. the Ukraine. There is a there every place you turn, there was uh, there was there was people trying to lure you into donating to the Ukraine. Yeah. Well, then when that. you get to looking deeper into that, well, are you donating Nazism that continues to go on today? Like we talked about yesterday, World War II has not ended. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They had the Azov Brigade. 
the, the Eisenhower Brigade is still there. The Nazi descendants of real Nazis, real German Nazis from World War II, the Azov Brigade that uh, took Jews to, the, to Auschwitz you know, from Ukraine uh, still exists. And so they haven't gone away. So you've got the communists on the Western side, actual real Russian communists, you know, and you've got actual real Nazi German Nazis at the other end of the country. And you've got sort of this middle in the Dnieper River. Um, Mike, are you familiar with Ukraine at all? Have you been there? Do you know about the country? Do you, do you have any experience or family or anything like that? Any insights you can provide? Then we'll get on your stuff. Uh, I guess I got actually a break no. in a second here, but uh, got any Ukraine connection? The thing I yeah. find about the thing uh-huh. I find interesting about Ukraine is take a look at what's happened to it over history. When you look at uh, you know the invasions and countries and uh, you know various armies moving back and forth, I mean you go pre World War One. Go uh, back to early Europe. I mean, it, it's always been an area where people are coming and going. It doesn't seem like a place people wanted to settle. And they kind of are in the middle, as you just said. You've got the communists on one side, you had the Nazis on the other, and you had Ukraine sitting in the middle. And yeah. they're kind of in a bad position. In terms of geographically, they probably, yeah. yeah, geographically, I don't think they could be much worse in terms of you know any advantages they might have. Other than yeah. the, the what is it, the, the Black Sea or whatever, they. Other than that, they would be out of luck. It, it's just, it's not an. It's like most in, most of Eastern Europe. Yeah, Eastern Europe is is fairly flat, unfortunately. So they get run over by Russian and German tanks. <laughs> going back and forth. Yeah. And by, you know, by fr- and French, too. The French with Napoleon, you know, ran to Russia. And then, the, you know, the Russian army ran back in World War II. <laughs> you know, those poor people in the middle. East, I feel sorry for Eastern Europe. I want to go visit it. But the Poles, too. The Poles got attacked on both sides. They got the Germans on one side and the Russians on the other, you know, during World War II. So they, uh, you know, Poles, Poles really have suffered. Uh, I think that's what makes them tough. <laughs> they're, they're real tough people. All right. Um, well, Mike, you mentioned something. Long they were under the in- go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say you, you had another topic you wanted to talk about vote fraud for a second. So I want to get to that. Then I'll take a quick break and we'll get to uh, McClellan and, and some of the problems with our bases. But uh, what was that point you were going to make about Eastern Europe or Poland? The uh, They were under the influence of communism for so many – you know, they tried to say they were – what was it? An independent nation. I don't mm-hmm. know if you recall this, but in the Ford-Carter debates – Carter had made her Carter-Reagan debate. I can't remember which one it was. Carter had made the statement that, well, Poland was never under the influence of the Eastern Bloc that was nations. Ford. Well, of course. That was Ford in his debate. Yeah, had... Ford said that to Carter, that there was no subjugation of Eastern Europe by Russia. And we all just laughed. <laughs> you idiot. The yeah, you and it's like it was, <laughs> it was such an inept statement. And I, I, I still remember that. I, that's mm-hmm. bizarre that I remember that. But I don't remember no, exactly. But I know I it happened. It's not that bizarre. And, and it, <laughs> you know, yeah, it was it was the turning point in the debate because he he oh, stopped yeah. mid sentence and he didn't even low he didn't even end the sentence like you end a sentence. You know, you can tell I've ended this sentence. He's like I ended this sentence. You know, and it's like he wanted to say more. And he just looked at him. It's like mm-hmm. what is wrong with you, idiot? You know, are you on like uh, yeah. you know Biden drugs or something or what? And then it's like like I say, Joe Biden is Jimmy Carter two point I mean, it's, no. it's just a new version. No, Joe Biden. So? No, Joe Biden is a is a drugged up puppet um, who is being abused by Jill Biden, by Obama, Hillary Clinton, by the entire Democrat Party. Democrat Party's evolved into something very strange. They have the public. They have a public face of idiocracy. You've got the stupidest people mm-hmm. in the country 
representing the Democrat Party in this illegal government. You got Buttigieg, you got uh, what's her name, uh, Galloway, Galway, the, the 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 energy person. You've got uh, Austin, Secretary of Defense. You've got the Secretary, of the State Secretary of State people. You've got you know Ned Pierce, who looks like a someone from the Star Wars bar. You know, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris is a complete idiot. She's not even a citizen. Um, and you've got uh, you know Biden, who does suffer mental dementia. The man has had two aneurysms. It's not his age that's the problem. He actually has had brain damage. And the fact that they've got, and then you've got Fetterman, you know, so you've got an idiocracy oh. who, who will say, and the thing about these people, they can lie and not know that they're lying and do it convincingly. They think they're telling the truth. So when Biden says, you know, we've, we've stopped inflation, you know, it, we, we all know that's an absurd statement, but he believes it because he doesn't have the capacity to know that he's being lied to by his handlers. So the public face of the Democrat Party is an idiocracy. The secret part of the Democrat Party are the folks behind the scenes, and those people are incredibly bright and therefore incredibly dangerous. That's how I see it. Oh, yeah, and they're incredibly financed, and they have lots well, yeah. of money like the George Soros dollars. Well, they get it from the And things like that. And, you know, they get Klaus Schwab. Yeah. So, so here's something for you, too. And this is Pianchi. We're, we're totally off topic, but we've got an hour. In fact, we actually have overtime. This is fun. Um, Klaus Schwab was at the G20. You know, he, he's not even a foreign, he's not a, you know, and I think it was, uh, somebody made the point on the news last night, I think maybe Dan Ball, One American News, he hasn't been elected to anything. He just, he just runs the World Economic Forum. He's basically, uh, you know, he's the next in a long line of great Germans you know, who, tried, who wanted to rule the world. You know, Karl Marx, you know, Bismarck, right. Kaiser, Hitler, and now Klaus Schwab. And so, uh, you know, but he, his great reset, he wants, to, he wants to punish everybody and control everybody. But why is he at the World Economic, why is he at the G20 Summit? He's not a G. You know, he's, 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 he's not a government no. person. He doesn't run anything. And yet there he is. Telling it's everybody we have to reset. Answer. It's called what? Yeah, it's about being able to determine how things go for their benefit. Their benefit well, first. Yeah. It, it has yeah. nothing to do with benefiting society or benefiting a country or benefiting a certain group mm-hmm. of people it's about benefiting themselves yep. and, that, and then and they that, have their, that's what it yeah. is yeah then they have yeah, the world economic leadership conference sorry go ahead mike i'm sorry oh no no i was just thinking you know leader using that term and leadership in the same sentence i'm just kind of scratching my head sometimes that well, we consider these people quote, leaders you know no, they're not, leaders. not in the class well, I mean, a government, no. you know, a person who's head of state is a leader by definition, but we're talking about people that are not heads mm-hmm. of state that are taking over. And they have also this leadership conference. I don't know if you heard about this, that uh, uh, the World Economic Forum, all, all the leaders, Macron, Justin Trudeau, you know, people in our own government, they've all been through, through, through this indoctrination process, you know, to be good globalists. Right. And those, the, all of those folks need to be purged from our government. So what I'm hoping Trump does in 2024 is gets rid of all of them. Anyway, let's take a break. Let's come back and talk about McClellan. He can give us the whole history of hazardous uh, waste, hazardous materials, hazardous handling of stuff on military bases, and their lack of accountability, which I find rather interesting that uh, they're not accountable for what they do. So we'll be back in just a little bit here. All right. Sounds great. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. 
Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try, even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Action Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. Right there. Yeah, he probably fell off the stool. Oh, you know what? I, I, I muted myself. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. I muted myself. That that was my mistake. I'm, so, I'm talking away here. Nobody's listening to me. And it's like, as I as I said. Uh, so let me start that again. What I just said. So, Mike Lynch, welcome to our uh, welcome back here for Science Friday. So let's do a quick intro of you and a quick intro of, of your, and then we can get into your, to your, your topic du jour. So my apologies, everybody. I screwed up this time. It happens every once in a while. I got I to gotta watch my mute button more. But uh, yeah, that's, so that's, that's I'm okay. saying, Mike, where are you? And of course, he's not there because I've muted myself. Well, I know my mute button works now. <laughs> that's a good thing. All right, back to you. I was getting ready to call you back. I didn't know what well, no, happened. Fine. I thought maybe it was. No, it was, I, oh, I screwed okay. up. I host goofed. Well, to, to go over my background real quickly. To, to, and it kind of is important for what we're going to discuss today. Uh, I was an earth sciences instructor for 25 years in the Fort Zumwalt School District, which is just outside of St. Louis in St. Charles, Missouri, which some residents may know about just west of the city. And uh, I, of course, being from St. Louis, being having lived there until five years ago when I moved here to Florida, uh, we were involved, of course, Monsanto, which many people are aware of, the makers of Roundup, 
uh, was world headquartered in St. Louis. <clears throat> Excuse me, and they have a lot of chemical uh, processing going on, and you have a lot of various chemicals, including one of the main constituents in Agent Orange, dioxin. And uh, that was, of course, around the St. Louis area. Well, what people don't know about, everybody's aware of Camp Lejeune and what's mm-hmm. been going on there uh, with the drinking water and PCBs being buried and everything else. What what's they the don't PCB? realize is there's another... What's a PCB for folks uh, that don't know? Polychloral, I can't pronounce it correctly, but it's the basic constituent biphenols. of dioxin. Yeah. yeah, biphenols, that's it. Thank you. The mm-hmm. uh, the main One of the main constituents in dioxin. And and the thing people need to remember is there's also not just Agent Orange. There's Agent Blue and Agent White, which hmm. are also part of the defoliant. This is where this whole thing comes around. Defoliant, 2,4-D and 2,4-T. Yep. Are and, and other constituents that were used in Roundup, defoliants. Fort McClellan is outside of Anniston, Alabama. And Anniston, Alabama was also the location of a large Monsanto production facility. And what happened was, and I don't remember the date, but back in the early to mid-'80s, they uh, began to close down. Well, first of all, during the base closure realignment, they closed Fort McClellan, and right in town, right basically across the street, for argument's sake, was mm-hmm. uh, the Fort McClellan and the Anniston, Alabama, Monsanto plant. Well, it turned out to be a $700 million Superfund cleanup site. They cleaned up the plant, but they didn't clean up Fort McClellan. And what happened at Fort McClellan is there are all sorts of, of uh, chemicals, because it was the headquarters of the U.S. Army's chemical school for years, and the military police school. That's where I come in because my wife was there for basic training and for military police training. And they Hmm. had a large number of people until they moved it at Fort Leonard Wood uh, years ago. It was all right there in Fort McClellan. So folks that attended or went there. It's Alabama or St. Louis. Where's Fort McClellan? And it's in Alabama. But because it involved Monsanto, Mm-hmm. And because it involved dioxin, which we had a real problem with around the St. Louis area, uh, th- that's where the connection comes in. And my wife, having been to Fort McClellan. So we began to find out after time, yes, Camp Lejeune is a problem, but mm-hmm. the amount of sickness and everything uh, up associated with Fort McClellan is huge. Let me give you kind of an example. These are just some of the uh, – let me go over this list real quick. Some of the things they found out about with Agent Orange, uh, type 2 diabetes, Parkinson's disease, Hodgkin's, lymphomas, leukemia, myelomas. I mean, there's any number of uh, prostate and respiratory cancers. They, uh, the uh, Agent Blue was actually an arsenic-based herbicide. So they, what was happening was as these uh, recruits and the military police folks and the women in the women's uh, army corps were mm-hmm. PTing, you know, taking physical training. They were spraying this stuff along the roads while they were running. Oh, so they great. would actually, my my wife told me they would actually be spraying on one side of the road while they were running on the other side. Hmm. And their sergeants would say, "Oh, everybody, move over." Yeah, well, like that did any good. And they were <laughs> spraying all these various foliants, defoliants and seeing how they affected the plants. 
Well, I let's talk about defoliant. Of, uh, people might not know what a mm-hmm. defoliant is, so if you can explain that a little bit. Uh, it's basically weed and grass kill. To make it a, a long story short, and uh, as I said, some of them, most of them had dioxin as one of their constituent uh, materials. And along with dioxin, uh, in the case of the Agent Blue, they had arsenic, which, of course, we all know arsenic is poisonous. And these folks, these uh, military recruits, military police training folks, were all exposed to this. They also had, because it was a chemical weapons training area, they also had uh, eight, uh, the other agents, but they also had cesium, cobalt, plutonium, uranium. Now, that was supposedly That's already limited active. to one building. That's already active, yeah. right? They, right. That they had both, correct. They had every chemical weapon potentially and decontamination procedures were being developed at Fort McClellan. Well, in order to do that, they had to use the material. And hmm. from what I understand, there were constant uh, – my wife said there were constant uh, spraying things going on, and you could see the planes going over and everything else. So th- these soldiers were all exposed to this. Now, here's the interesting thing. Just yesterday, VA announced that their health care providers – have to ask like five questions of when the when the members the veterans come in for treatment mm-hmm. or whatever they now have to ask them like five questions about chemical exposure. This was all part of that PACT Act that is what brought up Camp Lejeune and uh, all the issues there with PCBs and things of that sort. So now they're actually asking every veteran, were you exposed? Were you exposed to burn pits, uh, you know, and so on? Of course, obviously my wife was because she was stationed at Fort McClellan. So it, it's a very, very interesting uh, situation. And a kind of a sidelight to this, where I was mayor in my community, they had actually had some dioxin sprayed in my community. So it was hauled off and taken to a place called Times Beach, Missouri, which is where they had a big incinerator to incinerate the soil that had the dioxin in it. Because the thing about dioxin, people don't know, it doesn't move. Once it's put inside the soil, it stays. It doesn't migrate. So you can actually scrape it off, but that still doesn't completely eradicate it. So Fort McClellan that is was, now uh, being... That was Russell yeah, Bliss ahead. that yeah. sprayed that. That was Russell Bliss that sprayed dioxin on the streets in Time Beach. They also sprayed Absolutely. it in uh, Moscow Mill, too. And that's exactly, and that's where I was mayor. And uh, they had supposedly scraped it all off, but getting rid of that reputation was very, very difficult. And, uh, yeah, they sprayed it work. To kind of, Greg, to kind of give you some background to this, they mixed this dioxin with fuel oil because it was supposedly going to be burned off. Well, what they did, Bianchi's talking about Russell Bliss. He was, um, I believe, a landscaper or a, a road guy. He collected the and, waste oil. Yeah. He collected the waste oil from Monsanto and then sprayed it on the streets in Times Beach because they were basically gravel streets. It was hmm. a, a community right next to the Merrimack River. And he sprayed it on the streets. And it, of course, went into the soil and stayed. They sprayed it on a stable in Moscow Mills, Missouri, to keep the dust down mm-hmm. from the horses. Yeah, And this stuff was all over St. Louis. And people don't get just how much this actually it stays in the soil. And I don't remember the half-life, but it's, it's, it's hundreds of years. It doesn't go away. It sits there. 
and and this is the same thing they're dealing with at Fort McClellan, is what they dealt with or have been dealing with at Camp Lejeune. And that's not to take anything away from the folks in Camp Lejeune. Yes, absolutely, they were exposed to all those things. But the folks at Camp uh, at Fort McClellan, particularly the women, the reason being because the only service that women trained with men at that time was in military police school. And as a result, everybody was exposed in those buildings. One of the training buildings had actually been used for decontamination procedures for cesium and cobalt. So, and of course they said, well, we had it all cleaned up. <laughs> well, obviously now that's not the case. So yeah, vaccines this, are safe and effective see, too. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's, and uh, the, the thing that bothers, I think, the VA and the thing that my wife has talked about is the fact that these women may have had their reproductive processes interfered with, uh, whatever, with all these various chemicals. I mean, mustard well, gas. Uh, yeah. like what? That, nerve what, what's in mustard gas? What's the, what are the components? Because we talked about that in World That's War when we did our World War I chat. What's in it? Yeah, it's during aging. When you when oh. you ingest it, it blisters what? the inside of the respiratory system. It so what's in it? Yeah, I know, but uh, do you know the components uh, of mustard gas? I don't know all the components of it, but I know or, that when it mixes with the water in your lungs, the moisture in your lungs, it turns to acid, and it bubbles. Kind of similar to what happens if you inhale chlorine gas. If you inhale chlorine gas, the same thing happens. It turns yeah, I thought to acid. it was a, an ammonia and a bleach mixture. You've got a highly acidic... Uh, um, ammonia with a highly basic bleach, or the other way around. I'm not sure which is the acid, which is the base, but whatever it is, that that's why you don't mix those two cleanses in your house because you make a form of mustard gas. Chlorine. So if I remember yeah, that, those are the basic is, components. Yeah, bleach Jackie? is, is yeah. of course hydrochloric acid. If you look at um, okay, so bleach is um, the muriatic acid. acid. Ammonia is the yeah, base. Yeah, muriatic acid. Which they yeah they use muriatic acid to clean concrete. Hmm. We used it when I was yeah, in to get rough. Yeah, muriatic acid, hydrochloric acid. Uh, the blistering agents were being experimented with or they were practicing cleanup everywhere. And Fort McClellan, all the soldiers there were exposed to it. And at first, they've been trying for years to get this brought up. Now, my, uh, I've got information that the legal team that's handling some of these folks' claims against VA mm-hmm. is now getting them to apply the PACT Act. They may actually apply it to Fort McClellan. What's so that's Act? one of the biggest things that's going on. What's that? The PACT Act was passed you know, by Congress. Hold on, Pianchi. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Pianchi. No, Mike, I want to uh, – no. Now, you know, uh, when the, when the Merrimack uh, came out and it out of his banks and it brought that uh, dioxin back into the river there at Moscow Mill, but you know, the strange thing, they was using, like you said, to spray those uh, those horse – uh, compounds or whatever you want to call them, they did that even after the horses started getting sick and dying in Moscow Mill. They went to other places. He went to other places. And he was hired out in Shenandoah in another town I can't think of the name of. Oh, Jefferson City, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, and horses were dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Times Beach was gravel roads. And to kind of give uh, Greg some background, the Merrimack River goes around the western and southern part of St. Louis County. And along the Merrimack River was a town called Times Beach along Interstate 44, just south across the river from St. Louis County. 
And what happened was they had these gravel streets, which, of course, during the summer, uh, during times of low rainfall drought, the dust would come up and they, it was getting on everybody's cars and so on. So they sprayed fuel oil, used fuel oil to hold the dust down. Well, dioxin had been mixed in with this. And then they were going around spraying in the neighborhoods on the streets. And it was everywhere in Times Beach. So they mm-hmm. built an incinerator there to burn the soil from Times Beach and the soil from Shenandoah Stables, which was in Moscow Mills that Pianchi was talking about. Does that and they work? Hold that does soil that purify? Uh, the, does yeah. that take the dioxin out? Okay. It also takes the dirt out. Aren't you destroying soil? Well, at that point, yeah. Don't you have to I replace mean, the soil? Uh, they had to replace it with topsoil from elsewhere. Okay. The That's what they did at Shenandoah Stables because that was in my city. And they actually scraped all that off. EPA came in. They completely scraped all that off, sealed it in containers, and transported it to the burn area at Times Beach. Now, this was an incinerator that I don't recall the temperature, but it was enough to destroy the dioxin. I don't want people to get that confused with burn pits. That's a completely different situation. Yeah, let's, let's so, separate them. So dioxin, let's go back to that, and then we'll get back to the PAC Act. So what is mm-hmm. dioxin exactly? It's dye something. It's two it's oxygen. Tri- and it's trichlorophenol. It's tri- it has three molecules. Okay. The PCB, yeah, the, that's where the PCB comes from. And that that was the main constituent. And, of course, it kills vegetation. That's what it was used for. And the interesting so why, thing. So why would the military want that, though? That's the question. Why would the military want something that kills oh, plants? in Vietnam. Yeah, in I know, Vietnam. but people yeah, need to know that. In Vietnam. For what? But you, yeah. know, what, you know what they could have used? Hold on, let me, I, want to, I want to finish this point. Yeah. So why were they using defoliants? Why were they using defoliants in Vietnam? So because you can see the Okay. Yeah, the uh, trails I, that they would come out of Cambodia and Laos, right. when they would come east out of Cambodia and Laos across the Mekong River, of right. course you couldn't see them with all the vegetation forest cover. So right. what's the best way to see them? Kill it. And so this is what I want people to understand. Yeah, this is why people yeah, understand that people. we had an entire chemical, an entire chemical industry based on defoliating. In other words, taking away the leaves, plants, trees, everything, so that we could expose, you know, uh, uh, North Vietnamese and Cambodian and Laotian folks that were on trails on supply lines and things like that. So rather than actually fight the war, right. they actually were destroying the vegetation, regardless of the environmental consequences, to not only uh, the, the countries that we were spraying this stuff, but to our own people back home. And that includes the chemical plants, right. that includes the spraying here, all the different effects of it, all the places it got into, the, as you're talking about the oil, you know, into the tar that was used to spray the, the, the gravel roads and the dirt roads and all this effect. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the dioxin and the Roundup yeah. that people still use today, Roundup is still being used, right? It's a Monsanto project. Oh, yeah. So you've got a, you've got a corporate government, hierarchical, structural, uh, vertically integrated, untouchable uh, organization that was for national security and national defense. We had to do this in Vietnam. We had to defoliate massive amounts of, uh, of land. I don't think it worked because plants do tend to grow well, back. Here's the thing. Um, all right, Pianchi, go ahead. Here's the thing. You know what they could have used instead of the oxygen because that was political. They could have used vinegar. Vinegar does the, does the same thing, well, and it's not yeah. harmful. But it's not profitable. Yeah, spray vinegar on your foliage, and it kills it. <laughs> oh, but it comes back, but yeah, it still kills money. 
You could buy a gallon because of vinegar at acid. Walmart for a buck ninety-nine. Was that ever you considered, know? Mike? Did they ever think about uh, Not, you know, doing a massive vinegar spraying on the tri- on the trails? Not that I'm aware of. I, I like your point about the industrial military complex, military industrial complex, yeah. and the creation of those chemicals, and then the experimenting or using them at Fort McClellan to mm-hmm. see how they function, right. to see how they worked. While your soldiers are crawling through the dirt, imagine this. They spray it over an area. They turn it into a PT ground, and you've got soldiers crawling on their bellies with the stuff in the dirt. And remember mm-hmm. what I said, it doesn't migrate. It doesn't right. move. So it's nope. still in that dirt. And they're inhaling this stuff mm-hmm. as they're working PT, things like that. Do you know what this sounds like? Just, you know what this sounds like today? Yeah. This sounds like COVID. This sounds like the experimental, quote, vaccine. This sounds like giving it to the military by mandate so they don't have a choice. Oh, they'll lose their job, their pension, mm-hmm. their career, and everything else like that. So the military are guinea pigs, as well as anybody else that's in a corporation that's forced to take the, uh, the gene-destroying shot, you know, known as the COVID vaccine. So this is, this, this is the and government doing exactly the same thing. I like to tie patterns together. So you're not seeing a difference here. You're seeing a, a very similar uh, action, and this time back in the 60s in Vietnam. So this entire, you know, as Pianchi said, I didn't know about vinegar. That's fascinating, you know. But the idea that they could have yeah. sprayed vinegar uh, instead of developing a Monsanto corporate government fascist, you know, defoliant when they had a perfectly safe alternative. Uh, and what is vinegar doing against the soil? Eventually it's going to degrade. Actually, it's probably going to degrade fairly quickly, dissolve and be gone. The plants will go, okay, great. And then they grow back. Now, so, so let's talk about well, so Roundup for a second. So Roundup is the commercial version yeah. of Agent Orange, right, with the dioxide and everything else in it. What, what exactly is in Roundup? Just before I to, say something I do not know the chemi- all the chemical constituents, but I do know that, that at least part of it now, the basis of some defoliants is salt. Salt will kill just about anything as well, like Pianchi was salt water, with vinegar. Salt water would have done the same thing. You could have got it out of the ocean. Yep. But could have been, that could have been a mixture. Support. Salt water and vinegar. You know, yeah. from both areas. <laughs> that would <laughs> Call it salad dressing. I can, I can see it. I can see a giant thing on the side of the plane, you know, that, that says vinegar on the side. I just, it, yeah, it's just, it's vinegar is good for killing mold too, household yeah. mold. Yep. Yeah. Vinegar is good uh, internally too. It kills all kinds of things. Vinegar, yeah. Well, apple cider vinegar, good stuff. All right. So it's good for asthma. Apple cider vinegar and water, tablespoon to a quart of water, you drink that, it's good for your asthma. I put it in my, uh, and it's in my good salad for your with uh, olive oil, you know, with, with, with the virgin olive oil, which I think is a funny term. Mm-hmm. So the point is, Mike, that this is entire – now, did, the, did Monsanto, were they helping to develop this? Were they making a huge profit? Uh, did they have a monopoly helping oh, with the dioxin and everything? How does Monsanto tie into this? Of course, because Monsanto was the company that was developing Agents Orange, Blue, and White, Roundup, the defoliants. The two mm-hmm. main constituents, by the way, which you had asked me about – it's uh-huh. called 2,4-D and 2,4-T. Yeah. Those were the two main constituents that were used in the defoliants. And uh, very similar action to Roundup. Uh, those okay. were two of the main chemicals. They call it, that's where they get the tie-in with uh, the respiratory cancers, uh, sleep apnea, uh, all sorts of different so how does various that get approved? Uh, ailments. How did Roundup get approved? It sounds, like, it sounds like the civilian version of Agent Orange. They... Well, they didn't have the protection protections, I say that, and government regulation that they do now. 
and they didn't make the connection. There was too much money going back and forth. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. Money is the root of everything. So when you look at, like you're talking about the cryptocurrency earlier and everything the else, love of it's money all about the money. is the root of all evil, not money itself. We need to get our Shakespeare correct. The yeah. love of money. And just like the proof of the pudding is and in the, the eating, the proof is not in the pudding. Mm-hmm. Are you idiots out there who keep saying And this it wrong? stuff is now – the <laughs> congressman, congressman – yeah, the person who got this going, the PACT mm-hmm. Act and everything in Congress was Congressman Tonko, T-O-N-K-O. I believe he's a congressman from New Jersey. Was hmm. about 10 years ago he started pushing this, the PACT Act, and finally it? getting it through. What is it? Uh, well, the PACT Act is what's allowing uh, providing medical and care benefits for soldiers who are exposed to these toxins. And, you know, there's not a presum- – you have to have a – what's the term the VA uses? Presum- presumptive cause. And now it's, it's oh, you much have easier to, prove. to get – yeah, it can't be mm-hmm. it can't be a coincidence. It has to be causal. That's how they get on everything. Right. Just because a bunch of people came back and got cancer who worked with Agent Orange doesn't mean that Agent Orange caused cancer. Uh, well, yeah, it does. <laughs> you know, let's be blunt had, about this. I, my wife had an uncle. Get this. Huh? My wife had a had an uncle who whose job it was to go into the C one thirties and clean out the tanks that carried the Agent Orange. He had hmm. to clean out the tanks. He was inside the tank washing them out. Do yeah. you have protective equipment and safety masks and uh, hazmat suits? Uh, not the way they do today. Yeah. Uh, he told basically a breather, and that was it. So you could still mm-hmm. get exposed on your skin and everything else. And this stuff doesn't just get breathed in. It can exp- uh, any way it can get into your skin. And it's, it's horrific what they did. And, but people weren't being – the veterans weren't getting the treatment they deserved from the VA. That's a whole other story for another day. But the, the, the exposure to these chemicals was 10 times worse, I believe, than what happened at Camp Lejeune. Not to take anything away from those folks. No, no, they no. They deserve you, you a benefit. Disclaimer. I'm just curious, though, because when I think of McClellan, I thought of the Air Force Base. Uh, out in uh, California, where I used to live, right. uh, around, around Sacramento, you had Mather and you had McClellan. Is that the same McClellan, or are we talking about two different McClellans here? I'm as far as I know, it's the Civil War General McClellan, but oh. I I'd have to go back and look as to whether it's the same Air Force Base. I believe that. Well, because you got two bases of the same name. From. That's uh, that was my initial confusion. I'm sure people know the same thing. So why is it McClellan? Why don't they have a um, a huge lawsuit and an act helping? How come Lejeune got no, it and McClellan they're didn't? Try- they're trying. They were okay. trying to get it for part of this Pact Act. My wife had been pushing this. With the uh, with this whole issue with the VA, and she's uh-huh. had to. And let me tell you a little secret: what people don't know, if you really, if you're a veteran and you are, you believe you've been exposed to this stuff, you have to be your own advocate or hire an attorney. They they have some law firms now that are getting on board with this and getting involved, just like the ones you see all yeah, the, I've commercials seen the commercials. For the yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Camp Lejeune. You don't yeah. even know what, you know, Fort McClellan and the number of women that were exposed. And again, reproductive issues and everything else. That, so have they charted know, miscarriages? Uh, have they charted uh, uh, infertility? Uh, have they charted birth defects? Have they charted all that stuff? Is that, are these women being traced? The last, okay, the last two years that Fort McClellan was open. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Fort prior closed? to that, like in the oh, early. Oh, that's interesting. The early, and it was closed. Yeah. The early, yeah, it was base, reacl- base realignment 
enclosure. I think a part of the base that's clean was used for Alabama National Guard. But anyway, uh, okay, where was I going with this? Uh, the uh, In two years, they found 71 female soldiers, 71, had all been seen by the base oncologist for breast lumps. <laughs> wow. Now, out of how many women? Yeah. They found out of how many were there? 71. Out of? Uh, they said, I saw, it was six figures, women that had cycled through Fort McClellan, because okay. it was the Women's Army Corps, the WACs, and it was the military police school. And like I said, the only place where women and men trained together until, you know, the 90s or 2000s was military police school. Because they trained them the same. They had to do the same job. They had to do the same expectations. So that's how the women part comes into this. And I believe the VA is terrified of what's going to happen if they find genetic issues with what they were exposed to at Fort McClellan. That's what I believe. And because they don't want to spend the money. They'll, spend the mo- they'll give $100 no. billion dollars to Ukraine, but they won't you know, take care of our own soldiers. And, and military police and things. That's crazy. Hey, let's get into the nuclear thing a bit, because I've got a list of things that you talked about. You mentioned these before, cobalt, cesium, uranium, plutonium. Uh, how did those mm-hmm. fit into this? How, what were they doing with, with – they weren't using um, nuclear compounds as defoliants, or were they? No. <laughs> what were they using? Again, it was just using dioxin. You know, I'll tell you something else, too. We had people that rabbit hunting out there in the wooded areas along the Merrimack, and the rabbit had these blisters on that inside the ears, which was an indication of that chemical. That's interesting. I don't know if they were safe No, and it's interesting. They're probably not safe to eat. But, um, anyway, back to the nuclear. Let's take that up, too. But yeah. uh, the nuclear stuff, what was that used for? What were those compounds used for? They were using it for <clears> – they were training uh, officers, chemical officers, on how to clean – uh, equipment, things like that, that might have been exposed to fallout of any kind, things of that nature. So as a result, they actually used cesium and cobalt for this training. So they were actually using radioactive compounds for training the soldiers and the officers on how to clean machinery, things like that, after what, so a radioactive Geiger counters? <laughs> so they, actually, they would use actual radioactive compounds to see if they could clean them? Oh, that's hysterical. I mean, it makes sense, but from a practical point of view, I just, you know, I just find it interesting. And that's dirty bomb material, isn't it? Cesium, cobalt, that's dirty bomb stuff. Yeah. And, well, okay. it would have been fallout. It would have been fallout from, uh, you know, exposure, dust, dirt, uh-huh. things uh-huh. of that sort from, you know. And the thought, I believe the thought was because of Europe, they actually, and this is where this still comes from, a uh-huh. limited or, you know, limited nuclear action or whatever. And, uh, it's similar, and it's kind of crazy to think about. But what do you mean a limited nuclear action, like uh, like nuclear weapons, tactical nuclear weapons? Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and okay. and how to train, how to clean that up. You'd obviously have to clean off all the equipment and everything else. And how would you decontaminate? Well, that was all Whoa. part of what was going on at Fort McClellan. Huh. And there was one building in particular where they were doing this. And they claimed they had that building cleaned up, but yet they still had all these signs on it, do not go into this building. My wife took training classes in that building. And other you know, people we, did too. When Dr. Peter Pry was alive and he was on the show, he talked about the new low-level nuclear weapons. They're so good. 
they don't have radiation. They have uh, or, or minuscule amounts of radiation that they're releasing, but they're still nuclear. They're still, you know, uh, a, a nuclear reaction, you know, that's taking place in these weapons. But they're so low yield and they're so clean, apparently, that uh, that that's not an issue. That it's the older weapons that have that problem. Um, Let's get to Bianchi's point. Let's go back to the rabbits. So if, uh, if this stuff is in the air, it's in the water, if, it, if it's in the soil, it's going to be in the plants. If it's in the plants, it's going to be in the food. And, of course, we know what the rabbits eat. And, uh, you know, does, does this affect the whole animal such that the, the, like the rabbits were dangerous, you know, to eat by, at that point? I mean, are these animals toxic at this point, or are they just sick themselves? Well, when an animal becomes sick, you don't want to be eating it. Well, no, I don't. I just, but I'm just <laughs> curious how far the effect goes. Because that would. What about the wolves that eat the rabbits? What about the eagles that eat the rabbits? You know, are they affected by this too? How yeah, it would go? be. A, yeah, it would. Uh, if a if a eagle picked up a, a sick rabbit and ate him, the eagle would be sick, and his eggs would probably have a thin shells. Yeah, that's DDT. Yeah, even remember, it wasn't that's DDT. What happened with DDT. Yeah, but it wasn't yep. DDT though. That's DDT the big myth. Recording. That was a lie. That whole thing was a lie. The whole the Rachel Carson Silent Spring was a bunch of nonsense. It's it's amazing how they can use they can take these situations and manipulate them for their benefit. Mm-hmm. Do you know when how they in did reality, it, by the way? We're talking about people. Yeah. Do you know how they proved that? Uh, uh, do you know how they made uh, DDT be the, the scapegoat for for uh, you know the, the the thin shells and things? Do you know how they did that? How they engineered the study? No, I'm curious. <laughs> they fed the birds a diet without calcium. Oh well, that, duh. That's why they had thin shelled eggs. Okay. Yeah, they, they 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 took all the calcium out of the diet. So whereas I have uh, friends that uh, I buy eggs from, uh, farm fresh eggs. I don't eat store bought eggs anymore. And these they they have oyster shells, you know, for the calcium. The shells are really green, mm-hmm. and they come with a natural chicken coating, so you don't have to put them in the refrigerator. Um. So, but uh, that's it. But the calcium was denied to the birds. And of course, they were going to have thin shelled eggs. Duh. The only the only calcium they had was what they can manufacture in their body. Anyway, go ahead. I got other questions for you. You can make any study. You can make any study come out with the results you want. Uh-huh. It depends. You control the parameters. As the scientist, you control the parameters of the study, and mm-hmm. and you can decide. You can manufacture results. I've seen it done. You can manufacture a result that benefits you, and mm-hmm. I believe that's what some of these chemical companies. I believe that's what Monsanto was doing. Monsanto was creating data because there are some other areas in St. Louis that uh, have are all part of this. People don't understand. There's a lot of areas in Missouri. Yeah, Pianchi, go ahead. You know, I hate to keep cutting in on you like that, but see, I I remember this. You know, you had Weldon Springs. Look at Weldon Springs. Weldon Mm -hmm. Springs was a dumping ground for uh, Mallinckrodt because Mallinckrodt was involved in the chemicals during World War II. So, Weldon Springs today is still suffering uh, from the effects of that. And you had other areas. You had the dog on this. So, oh, yeah, out there by the airport. You know yep. where uh, McDonald, you know where McDonald, uh, McDonald Boulevard comes in there and it curves around the softball field on that At one Brown side? They was, yeah, Brown Road. They've been cleaning that up forever. No, and this is, uh, Greg, to kind of touch base on this, a lot of this. Oh, you guys are funny, though. No, no one knows except you where you're talking about. <laughs> and we're a worldwide show. It cracks me up. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. <laughs> well, hey, you know the airport by the road. This is, yeah. this is St. Louis, uh, the St. Louis, uh, Lambert St. Louis International Airport. And mm-hmm. there was a creek called Coldwater Creek that ran from this area 
and ran from the old Ford plant. There was a Ford plant where they made the Aerostar, I'm sure, and the Explorer. That shows mm-hmm. you how long ago this was. Yeah, and there in Hazelwood. Yep. And the stream carried all this material down to the Mississippi and Missouri rivers. But when it did it, it went by an area called Blackjack, which is where I grew up, and my dad was a city councilman there. Hmm. And they had claimed that this was all cleaned up. Well, just about two or three months ago, they completely closed an entire elementary school right next to the creek. Oh, because that's interesting. guess what they found? Yeah. They found in the, in the uh, AC filters, they began to find radioactive material in an elementary school. This is like Chernobyl. They closed the elementary <laughs> school. Yeah, this is it's crazy. It's called Jana Elementary. Well, see, this is all part of the military-industrial complex. Mm-hmm. This is where this all comes in. People don't realize the little fingers that go out and, and how this all works. It's not just the military. It's not just military bases. No, but the military has always had an exemption. You know something uh, the, else they've done, too? Uh, hold, on, hold on before we get to something else. The military has always had – yeah, and here's my, here's my general idea on, on, on jumping in. I like us jumping in. We all jump on each other's conversation. But I want to stick on topic. So in other words, let's complete a topic, and then we can kind of you know, go to the next one. I, I'm trying to keep the jumping around to a minimum. But, uh, but the military – you know, the fact that you, you, you highlighted this, Mike, you know, that uh, they're exempt from a lot of things. They don't have the same rules that a private company would have. Uh, and, and Monsanto, when they're doing military contracting, the bases don't have the same uh, environmental, uh, what do they call environmental impact reports when they want to do new things. They don't have the same level of, of cleanliness that a, that a corporate site or even a, a residential site would have to have. The military's got a lot of exemptions. And do you, do you think that's part of the problem here is that they have so many exemptions that they just don't check? They don't, they don't look at these things until there's such well, a problem yes, that they don't have any choice. The military I sprayed Puritanical. You remember that, Jim? They had a, this device that was spraying this this mist in the air down at Puritigo Housing Project, which was which was black, and also over in North St. Louis by Matthew Dickey, uh, there off of Kings Highway and uh, Natural Bridge, it was another spot where they was emitting these mists in the air. Then they would set up monitors at the airport in order to detect the contaminated people. So they can get some kind of range on how effective that sort of method was. Absolutely, hmm. and people died Human from testing. cancer. It was all kind of stuff. Yeah. So let's get both issues: human and testing and uh, the military exemption from mm-hmm. some of the rules that everybody else has. Do you know about that, Mike? Either one of those. And I think people. Yeah, I think people don't understand how far this reaches. I, I, okay. I think. I agree with you. We take a look at the military bases first because those are the folks that were the most directly affected. Right. But now the stuff is showing up everywhere, in a local elementary school, uh, on a horse farm, uh, anywhere that the stuff could have migrated to or was taken to. Hmm. And people don't understand how far this reaches. It's not just the jungles of the Mekong River in Vietnam. It's your local neighborhood. If you so how, are the jungles, how are the jungles in the Mekong River? Have they recovered from Agent Orange? Have the people recovered? Are there villages that can't exist in their old place anymore? Has the rice crop been changed? You know, has it uh, done any permanent damage there? Or what's, what's the story now? Do you know by chance? I'm, I'm curious. I can tell you that uh, my wife showed me a photo of Fort McClellan, a satellite, a GIS photo, Global Information System. Right. And there is hardly any vegetation in most of Fort McClellan. How about if Mekong you look Delta? at it, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you for sure. 
I believe the half-life of like dioxin and, and Agent Orange, it's like hundreds of years. I can't see that that would have grown over again. It may have. I don't know for certain. Yeah. I'll check back next week on that. Week. Make, make a note for, uh, you know, there'll be interesting follow-up is to see what, uh, what the effects, the long-term effects are and have these areas grown back. At least I hope so. Cause jungles are pretty, uh, you know, pretty uh, reactive and, and pretty um, adaptable to different situations, but I don't they know for recovered. sure. They recovered this one. Yeah. And I don't know. You know, I built a uh, brand new Vishon high school there on KS Avenue off of uh, Jefferson. And one day the job superintendent said that our, all, everybody had to be off the job for another two days or something because in the excavation for the football field, which never really became a football field, they ran into some drums that was part of the stuff that uh, Malacrot was getting rid of back in World War II. And it had been houses that was built over these drums that were buried in the ground. Well, that's the Superfund sites. You remember yeah. Love Canal, you know, where they, they built Absolutely. communities over hazmat sites. That's, that was how they discovered this. That's how the whole hazardous, that's how the whole Superfund got started, is that they weren't uh, disclosing yep. that they're building. It's like, you know, poltergeist, but instead of, you know, a, a ghost community over, over a cemetery, they're building over hazmat sites. Mike? Yeah, remember? There was gas coming out of people's uh, faucets. They could actually ignite the gas coming out of their faucets and toilets. Wow, I don't because remember that. Of, yeah, that All the was flammables? what was happening in Bob Canal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nothing. But gas. that was the thing, right? Weren't they building mm-hmm. communities right over previous uh, hazardous waste dumps? Isn't that how they discovered them? Correct. Okay, I thought and so. that's why, and that's why Pianchi was talking about the Ford plant location mm-hmm. in Hazelwood, Missouri, mm-hmm. in St. Louis County. Nothing has been built there since they closed it. And the reason is because they buried tons and tons of 55-gallon drums of things like uh, chromium and things like that. And chromium has a huge half-life. It's like yeah, but that's hundreds and hundreds of years. How long do those barrels last? Uh, and it leaks into that creek that happens to go by, are we ready for this, that elementary school that they closed. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Funny how did that happened. Did they put uh, – I'm Does guessing they didn't have the use city too? No cold. I don't know. I think cold. Go ahead. Well, here's what I can suggest. So, so your folks, because you know we're talking about St. Louis again, and we don't want to go go down that rabbit hole too far. Go to the St. Louis Post Dispatch website and type in Jana Elementary School, J A N A Elementary School. If you go to the St. Louis Post Dispatch website and type in Jana Elementary School, there's two or three articles in there about what actually happened. People can find that. Uh, Greg, you can look at it too, obviously. Oh, yeah. And it will no, give I, you the I'm, background. I'd rather have you do the follow-up if you can, just because, just because this is your area. But uh, we can make yeah. it more general. We don't have to focus on that. But uh, you know, just back to the hazmat dumps for a second. Um, if they're putting these 55-gallon gallon drums, are they just buried in the ground? Or is there any requirement yeah. either then or now for a concrete containment, uh, some kind of way to contain these things so that even if they do leak, it doesn't go anywhere? Yeah, they have anti-leaching pits. That's what they did, what Bianchi had mentioned, uh, uh, Weldon Springs. They okay. built this huge, giant anti-leaching pit. It's basically a mountain. Mm-hmm. And they took all this material from Malincrot and from that area in Weldon Springs, which is where they made the nuclear triggers, 
for atomic bombs. Hmm. They moved all this into a giant pit, and the pit is lined with clay and plastic and concrete so they mm-hmm. can't leach out. And then they put a cap over the top of it and then a cap on top of the cap. And if you just type in Weldon Springs, you, again, on your Google search search engine, you'll see uh-huh. it'll talk about the super fun site. And it's a huge mountain. It's probably about three or 400 feet high, wouldn't you say, Pianchi? I, I, it's, it's huge. And it's and a waste dump? That's where that, it's an artificial mountain? Yeah. They made a mountain? <laughs> yes. Do they made a mountain. Yeah, it was in their house of... Uh, Anybody play They're on off it? They're Highway 7, over there by Fred Weber's place. Yep, by Highway yeah. 94. But yeah. if, they'll mm-hmm. just ty- if you'll just type in Weldon Springs, Missouri, you'll get it. You'll find it. Okay. Just Let me like ask you, uh, I got two more questions. We've got about five minutes here. Uh, you mentioned some other chemicals here and, and some stuff you sent me. Uh, napalm and white phosphorus. We haven't talked about those yet. Uh, was that defoliants? Was that just used as a, as a weapon? White phosphorus is a burning well, chemical. Napalm is, is jellified gasoline. These are horrible weapons. Right. Uh, how do they tie into Fort McClellan and, uh, and Vietnam and uh, hazardous waste? Well, I don't know that that's what was on the list that they give that they originally gave the PACT Act people as okay. to what was possibly used. They had documentation. Those uh, chemicals and things that I told you about were ones that were documented. Now, what else they may have used? Who knows? There's no way to be certain. But hmm. when you take a look at this list, it's not an inclusive list. It's not everything. But when you start putting two and two together, if they use all this, what's to prevent them from using anything else? Well, There's then we no get to reason the, uh, the, the biological. So we've covered the chemical agents here and the biological agents, which uh, the gain of function research, which led to uh, uh, creating COVID. Oh, actually, think creating the vaccine gene shot first and then COVID. But it, 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 the patterns are all the same. It, it's like the same lack of humanity, lack of soul, uh, profit-driven, power-driven. You know, it's, it's the, the fascist. It's the government, corporate, fascist. Uh, enterprise to create these things. Let me, we've got a couple minutes left. No discussion of, of chemicals would be complete unless we touched on chemtrails. So let's talk about chemtrails for a minute. Is there any evidence of anything that you see from Fort McClellan where they were actually putting chemicals on airplanes and spraying it on people, which a lot of people think is going on? I don't. I don't see the room in the airplane to do it. I don't see the technology. I don't see the, the air currents allowing this to happen. But I think we've talked about it before. But let's, uh, do, you, do you have any information on, on potential or lack of chemtrails uh, from these chemicals? I don't see it. I have not seen it. The, okay. the ability of being able to get away with it, exposing the public now mm-hmm. versus it would have been easier in the 50s and 60s uh, to expose people to stuff. You know, like, unfortunately, just such horrible things like the Tuskegee experiment and things of that mm-hmm. nature. Oh, hell, San Francisco. You know, they took um, various biological agents and flu bugs and everything else off the coast, and they knew the prevailing winds come off the Pacific Ocean and go right into San Francisco. And so they're testing how many people got sick. So that was done in the 50s, I think. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of stuff was definitely done exactly. before 50, I got there. Yeah. They, used, yeah. they used to fog the streets for, for uh, mosquitoes, and the kids used to run in the fog. <laughs> yeah, we have fluoroscopes. Yep, malathion I didn't, I didn't and paraffin. Remember the X-ray fluoroscope? Yeah, that was that, malathion oh, and paraffin. Oh, marathon. Yeah, and then the, isn't malathion what uh, blistered the cars? And when they when they splayed that, um, all the paint on the California cars all blistered up with malathion, if I remember. I 
think it was, but I, I'm going to have to punt. I don't recall exactly. No, I'm pretty sure it was now that I think about it. Yeah. So chemtrails, uh, is there any evidence that uh, the military, industrial, fascist Monsanto, DuPont, um, Fort McClellan, too, you know, are doing anything to, to spray our country from the air uh, in the stratosphere with, with chemical agents? I think because of the, the litigious nature of our society right now, mm-hmm. with the number of lawyers running around filing lawsuits and, and investigating and everything else, I think it's a lot, lot tougher for government agencies or private industry to get away with that. Now, I'm not saying they're not doing it. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that they couldn't try it. But let's think about it. Look at the number of law lawyer commercials we see on TV now. Mm-hmm. It's outrageous. You just look at the number for camp. Well, how would you prove a chemtrail? How would you prove a chemtrail injury? I'm more interested in what you know from the military well, and your wife's experience, you know, whether they actually were putting chemicals on airplanes. I mean, they, they seed clouds with silver, silver iodide, you know, to try and, and make it more likely to rain. So I know they do that. But that's mm-hmm. localized, and that's a lot lower mm-hmm. altitude. Well, you know what the saying is. Stratosphere. It's just like Bigfoot. All these people can't be lying. Oh, okay. So you so you think that the, the chemtrail thing is, is definitely possible then? It's probably some possibility, like I say. You know, when you have a story all over the damn world, all mm-hmm. these folks can't be lying on this. I mean, well, COVID it, was. COVID was all over the world, and that was a complete lie. We had early treatments, you know, when it first came out. So the, the world lied about that, but the government's lied about it. But that's what we're talking about here, too. So I don't think this is... Yeah, but you're talking about it in a short time. But yeah. in the long time, the, the, the story of these stories we hear of sightings and, and suspicions, these have been going on for a long time. And one would have to suspect that there has got to be some truth in it someplace. Not necessarily. Just because everybody believes it doesn't mean it's true. People believe that the whole world believed the earth was flat at one point, and they had evidence. They could prove it. Look, you look out there, see the world's flat. You're going to fall off the edge. So I think uh, belief has a lot more to do with this. I think you can get people to believe things, but I don't think you can uh, – but the proof is something different. The proof is something entirely different. And I'm not – I don't see how – well, Mike, you know the upper atmosphere. Pianki, you do too. How are you going to spray something at 35,000 feet and guarantee where it's going to go? You've got jet streams, you've got tropopause, you've got all kinds of up and down drafts, you've got dispersal worldwide. Look what happens to a volcano, major volcano, spreads out around the whole world. How can they guarantee that those things oh, yeah. are going to go where they want them to go? Most of the world is ocean. And, what are you going to do? And it's random. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the ability to concentrate it in an amount to make a difference, mm-hmm. I don't think you can. But let's look at volcanoes real quick. Look what sulfur dioxide does to the atmosphere. It cools it when you have a major volcanic eruption. Mm-hmm. A, one volcano can cool the entire one entire hemisphere. It did for Mount Pinatubo, yep. and you know, I mean, it, it can happen. But that's nature. That's not man. But that's an example. Yeah, a volcano puts up more pollution, you know, in one eruption than the entire industrial revolution, you know, did over like a hundred years. So you know, it's it's a which it's I a very, find hilarious. Yeah. You know, they keep talking about, well, this is a whole global climate change and all that garbage, but that's a whole other day. That's a whole other rabbit hole. <laughs> well, I, we, we might want to take, take that on next week because uh, that's always fun to talk about, especially if you have new proof of uh, everything going on. Pianki, do you have a closing thought? And then uh, I'm going to let Mike go and we're going to uh, pick it up. Well, Actually, I was going to say um, this. In Weldon's, in Weldon's mm-hmm. Springs, they got underground fires going on now that seems to be spreading. 
You know, person come out in New York and see smoke coming up out the middle of the yard. It's wow. an underground fire. So hmm. these things are still being the effects of these things are from what was done back during at World War Two is still being fit, uh, failed today. That's for sure, Mike. Closing thoughts. And what I'd like to do is let let people know if you are a veteran or a member of a veteran's family, and you were ever stationed or did were TDY to Fort McClellan when it was still open, I would suggest you get a hold of the VA or take a look at your um, uh, medical history, everything else, and consider looking into what was going on at Fort McClellan. You can just Google Fort McClellan issues, and there is a whole set of documents regarding Fort McClellan what was used there, and then you can go ahead, and I would definitely go to VA. Next time you're in, they're going to ask you these questions anyway. They're supposed to be asking. I would definitely follow up because this is years afterwards that people are having these health problems, and I think you really need to consider it. Yeah. Do you know who might be yeah. interested in this? Uh, if you talk to Matt Gates' office, because uh, Matt has, uh, has staff people that that's all they do. Is, is deal with uh, veterans issues because there are so many veterans and active duty military uh, here in our congressional district. So I would call oh, contact yeah. him, contact his office. No, seriously, do it and, and, and say that you're, you're asking on behalf of Action Radio uh, and ask them and first of all, mm-hmm. give them the information, see if they're aware of it. And secondly, uh, say that you're, you're asking on behalf of us, you know, Action Radio. And thirdly, ask if they want them on your report and talk about it. So if you want to, yeah. if you want to take on I'm that, if you want to do additional, uh, uh, stuff to get more active in this, uh, that would be my uh, suggestion for you if you want to try it. Oh, yeah, and I'm going to send you that information from the St. Louis area, what mm-hmm. Monsanto was involved in, that elementary school that's been abandoned. Mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll send you all that information. Yeah, you can so post you it can actually directly to our, uh, the Action Radio Environmental Action Project. You can put it directly there. That's why I have 20 groups. So you can send it to me, but I would post oh, okay. it directly. directly. Are you a member of the group? If okay. not, you should be. Yeah. No, I'm going to. I'll, uh, I'll send you an invite. I'll send you an invite right now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Send me a link. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's Closing comments? Way. Yep. No, just thank you for the opportunity to talk about these issues and the science and the environment and ways we can deal with it. Some things we can fix. Some things we can't. But the most important thing is people are aware of it and they can have access to treatment and health care. That's the most important part, especially if they're a veteran. Our veterans deserve that. They gave their time, effort, health, many of them, of course, their lives in defense of this country. And we can't just let this slide by. Well, the kids in the elementary school deserve it, too. I, uh, you know, I know, I, you know I definitely honor the veterans and I honor the sacrifice. And I, I you know, have nothing but good feelings for what they did. But I think sometimes we almost uh, we, we forget that a citizen casualty of an elementary school or a chemical worker or somebody that used Roundup thinking it was the right thing is every bit the victim that a, that a soldier is. And they're, they're, they have their own sacrifice they're making too. So I think we, we really need to equalize uh, somehow that, uh, that we're, we're talking about the same thing. If it's a problem, it's a problem. Not just for the veterans, but it's a problem for everybody. Yeah, Pianchi? You yeah. know, another company that was putting out a lot of stuff was Arto. Uh, like their chloridane that they use for... Uh, Killing termites. That's the cancer's cause. Yeah, Arco, Arco DuPont, um, DuPont is a big chemical we didn't come in with. What happened about. to uh, just, over in India with uh, Union uh-huh. Carbide? Remember Union that? Carbide. I was, just, I was just thinking of them too, yeah. 
Napal, Napal, India. Dow, mm-hmm. Dow Chemical. Yep. There were a lot of them, and areas like St. Louis were big production facilities, and of yeah. course the headquarters of Monsanto. So there are concentrations of these various chemicals and other substances in particular areas where these companies were located, and Aniston, yeah, Alabama. Monsanto had the uh, Queenie plant down in the South St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So this stuff is everywhere. But anyway, I need to go, Greg. I'll tell you what I'll do. <laughs> I will send you. I will sign up. If you'll send me that link, I'll You're sign up. And anybody You're already a member. You just haven't done oh. exercise it yet. <laughs> Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, I did it a while back. Yeah. And anybody yeah. that's interested, you know, look in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. They can send me an email at michael.r.clinch, C-L-Y-N-C-H, at Gmail, and I'll be happy to forward them the links to these various articles and stuff I've been citing. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, so when you get something from uh, Azerbaijan, let me know. <laughs> or Iceland. Okay. <laughs> or, or Sri Lanka. KGB, or the Solomon Islands. Or, or any of the places oh, no. where we're, we're heard around the world. It's really fast. And Cuba. We're heard in Cuba. Cuba now listens to Action Radio. So uh, we are everywhere. Well, I'm afraid of the PBR. I'm afraid of the PBR. Pat What's Blue that? Ribbon. They scare me. Oh, the Pat yeah, Blue Ribbon? Yeah, the PBR. Great. Isn't there yeah. a Blue Ribbon, ribbon like Commission to handle that? Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. That's FBI KGB. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's college days. I'm going back okay. to college days there. Pass yeah. Blue Ribbon. All right, make a good beer. <laughs> Bye, Mike. Talk to you next week. All right, thanks. Bye, Bye Mike. Bye. Be careful. <laughs> you too. Bye, bye, Bianchi. Mm-hmm. Blue Ribbon. Yeah, yeah. Remember the beers we used to drink? Moosehead. Did you ever drink Moosehead? Moosehead was big when I was in college. I heard about it. Yeah, but well, you know, England, I'm gonna tell you something. Okay. You'd be surprised that uh, all these hazardous wastes that's flowing right down in your backyard in many places, yep. especially around the St. Louis area. No wonder people there are so crazy. And I had friends. I had a neighbor mm-hmm. uh, who went to Vietnam in 64. I think I told you he had just bought a brand-new Chevrolet, Chevy, 1964 Chevy, Super yep. Sport convertible. Yeah, you told and me. He went off, and he came back. He was gone. My yeah. wife's cousin, Elroy, he was gone after coming back from Vietnam. Do you think it was the PTSD, the stress, the uh, the the drugs, the uh, the defoliants, the chemicals, all of the above? It might have been you know? all of the above. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, and you know, you talk about white white phosphorus. That's mm-hmm. the, what that do is burn your body. Yeah, and Willie uh, Pete. napalm, napalm burns your body. Yep. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and doesn't come off. Yeah. What's what's so scary about napalm is it's jellied gasoline. It sticks to things. You know, yeah. it sticks to your body. Then they take the depleted uranium out of submarine and mm-hmm. they use it as a hardening agent to bullets and shells. Yep. And they That's use the that in does. the Iraqi war. Yeah. Yep. You use that in the Iraqi war. And uh, you have kids that's being, that's being born with birth defects, missing arms and, mm-hmm. and double heads and all that stuff. No, there's there's something wrong with a country that, that prides itself on freedom and then goes and invades everybody else's country uh, and does all these horrible things. You know, uh, the fight for freedom was not in, in Korea. It, it was not in Vietnam. 
you know, those countries had problems. I'm not saying that they weren't uh, incredibly dangerous places and they had corrupt governments and they had all kinds of things going on that we could have aided and helped bring about, uh, not with war, but with, uh, you know, peace and prosperity and freedom and free markets and, you know, trying to use our influence. But in terms of war, the Korean War did not solve anything. The Vietnam War did not solve anything. The Iraq War did not solve anything, neither did Afghanistan. And the war in Ukraine that we're funding to a ridiculous amount and using it as a money laundering bank, that's not going to solve anything either. What solves things is direct action and go home. The Korean War is when the United States was assisting South Korea, but you also had China assisting uh, North Korea. But, you know, those other places there was about the changing of regimes, like Saddam Hussein, uh, Afghanistan, we would like to do it in Afghanistan too, but it's very difficult because each of those provinces is ran by like a little president in the country. Then you have the main national president, uh, Gordon, is that his name in uh, Afghanistan? So it's the way these countries are situated politically that it makes it difficult for them to run in and, and just run half shot through the country the way well, we shouldn't like be doing it anyway. I mean, and you said I'm saying was a terrible person. Uh, there's a lot of terrible people out there. Uh, you know, Muammar Gaddafi was no angel. Um, uh, Assad in Syria, you know, Erdogan in uh, Turkey, you know, uh, Xi Jinping in China, you know, Putin in Russia. There's, there's, we're not talking good people here. But the problem is that we should not be building nations and spending 20 years and trillions of dollars to try and change something that, uh, A, can't be changed, and, B, you know, we don't have the right to change it anyway. You know, I mean, just be, Well, know, like the money they send to the Ukraine, Biden is, that money could be used to take care and assist veterans who suffer still. Yeah, it could. Yeah. But we're still we're not we're not paying for our wars. We're not we're not paying the follow up. We're not paying to uh, to fix the problems with the people with all the health problems that they have, you know. And now, of course, you know, I'll tell you the next big thing is going to be are the COVID lawsuits. When Trump comes back in in 2024, and all of a sudden the VA has to deal with all the COVID uh, gene shot deaths and injuries, and all the problems those have, that that's the lawsuit that's waiting to happen too. So give it a couple of years. But uh, all the COVID shots and all the people that were uh, wrongfully terminated, they're going to have massive lawsuits, you know, once these mandates go away. Uh, it's, gonna, it's coming, you know, and plus the bankruptcies from all the COVID lockdowns. Those lawsuits are coming. It's just a matter of time if they started already. Anyway, let's get going. Um, tomorrow I'm broadcasting from the Creek Tribe headquarters here, the, tri- the tribal lands of the Santa Rosa Creek Band. I'll start at 6 in the morning tomorrow, and uh, it'll be on my Facebook page, too, so I'm going to try and simulcast, um, because all the people that are going to be on the show, they're not going to be calling unless Pianchi calls in, but you won't hear him unless you listen to the show. Um, but if you watch it on Facebook, you'll get uh, whichever guests I have, and I hope to have a lot of guests over the course of, uh, of my normal three-hour show. If not, I'll just be talking to myself, <laughs> which happens sometimes anyway. So, Pianchi, you're welcome to call in tomorrow, but uh, nobody's going to hear your side of the conversation just because uh, that, that's... Um, that's on Facebook. They'll hear it if they're listening on the radio. So that's the best way to are listening online. All right, sir. Another great week. Let's, uh, any closing thought before we go? And then we'll pick it up again Monday. Or I'll be on tomorrow. And then we'll pick up the regular show Monday. Yeah, just be careful and be safe. Yeah. As I say, drive fast and take chances. <laughs> we have a slightly different philosophy. All right, Bianchi. Thank you, sir. Let's do it again next week. And I'm going to play a couple yeah. things. And then we'll be back. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? 
It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Actually, when I said be right back, I should have said be right back tomorrow um, for my uh, my show at the Santa Rosa Creek Band uh, at the uh, Creek Fest. And then Monday, the regular time, 7 a.m. Central Time, that's when I'll be back. So those two times. And let's get a little inspirational music to uh, start off your weekend. And I'll be talking to you tomorrow and then our regular show Monday. 